Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Wine and Crime, the podcast where three friends chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm Kenyon. <gasps> I'm Lucy, and very proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I'm Amanda. What year is it? I have a Bonorama <laughs> t-shirt on. I have no bra on. I did brush my teeth. I did not change out of anything that I slept in. I'm fine. I am <laughs> feeling my teeth sweaters right now because <laughs> I have not brushed my teeth. I did brush oh. my hair today, though, so that's big. I like that. You haven't brushed your teeth today. No, it's 7 p.m. my time. <laughs> um, and I've already had too late half a bottle of Prosecco and have not brushed my teeth. You Get know what? It. You're living your best life. I love it's it. It's like you're okay. interacting with the public today. I know. I haven't left my house. What do I fucking care? I think I brushed my teeth at 4, 4 p.m. Just before 4 p.m. I went on a Zoom that I, it was just to watch. It was like a conference about the upcoming Chauvin trial. Um, but I, it's not like anyone would even see my face. And I was still like, I should brush my teeth for this Zoom. Oh, I thought about brushing my teeth for this episode recording. And like I should have because they are kind of bothering me because they're so gross. But then I was like, well, I want to drink. And I don't want to ruin the taste of the Prosecco with toothpaste taste. Mm, you made the fair. right call for that's sure. Fair. I, I think so. You definitely made the right call. Full <laughs> disclosure, I brushed my teeth before noon today, but it's what? only because oh, I haven't been to you. the dentist in a year. Well, yeah. Uh, COVID. I mean, Unless my teeth are hurting me, I'm not going to go <laughs> until after I'm vaccinated. <laughs> I did go actually in South Africa before we left and it was COVID, but we were on such strict lockdown that it felt. You survived. You're fine. Okay. You don't have to explain it. Oh, it's a it medical was, thing. Fine. It was a medical anyway, thing. Now that we're 60s. all caught up oh, on each wait. other's dental history. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> this week we have a very special fan pick brought to you by Mackenzie Moore. More, more, more. Mackenzie, it was the 60s. Thank you, Mackenzie. Thank you, Mackenzie. It was the 60s. It was the 60s. And Mackenzie has selected the topic of it was the 60s crimes. And it was. It was the 60s. It was the 60s. The 60s were bonks. And we'll get to it in my segment, but like, fuck. We thought 2020 was bad. This was a decade of 2020s. A lot of shit went down. Also made the mistake of not designating what century. Oh no. They wanted. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. But I came this fucking close to doing the 1860s. The 1760s were kind of gnarly too. They were lit. Yeah. All the 1860s. I should have just done year year 60. All 60 AD. (laughs) The year 60. (laughs) The year 60. 60 BCE. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> that would have been good. Next time. Oh, my God. All right. Well, that's my part. Amanda, what's our wine crime pairing? Let me take this off your hands for a minute. Thank you. I know that our amazing fan picker wanted me to get Fish Hippie, which is a like a wine mm. brand, but I was not able to find it locally, and I did not get my shit together early enough to order it in time. So I am sorry, but check it out. It sounds great, but I'm not drinking it. Instead, I am featuring Wink Wine Club's Cowtown White Blend, because the <laughs> 60s was literally the Wild West era for, like, serial killers and shit. Oh, yeah. Oh. So I was like, fuck it. This is and in. and child kidnappers. There it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure yeah. we'll get to it. Civil unrest, political movements. It was a, a lot of we'll get a lot to of hippies it. went to India where cows are revered. There it is. Ooh. Uh, okay. The Beatles back. The Beatles. More cowbell. Cowbell featured in 60s era rock and roll mm-hmm. bands. Music. <laughs> fringe leather fringe oh so much fringe all right anyway, anyway it, it, fits. It, it totally fits it fits a ton quick yeah it does <laughs> quick reminder as i cradle this like my baby like i like to do that wink wine club is an amazing online wine club that delivers wine straight to your door that's where i received this bottle from my front stoop I have a few of that one, and it's, it's so good. pretty. People are always like, that's a gorgeous label. Yeah, yeah. she cute. Mm-hmm. For the cute. listeners who are on Patreon, I am exposing it and myself to the video camera. <laughs> if you haven't checked out Wink yet, you should. It is amazing. They switch up their inventory all the time. They have really cool deals. If you become a member, they like make recommendations for you. You get member pricing, but you can always just go to their website, buy stuff a la carte. It totally works for whatever you need. And if it's your first time buying from Wink, use that uh, promo code GALS at trywink.com forward slash GALS to get $20 off your first box. And if you put four or more wines in there, they take care of the shipping. It's a miracle. How generous. It is so generous. Like it's this the is the sign that we live in modern times that yeah. you can have wine delivered to your door. Yeah. When you're a member, they just like anticipate what your needs are and just like, auto order based on your preferences for you. And so I'll just forget and then wine will appear mm-hmm. and also, I'll like, like kiss the ground. When you go to the liquor store to like buy wine, you tend to buy the same wines. So yep. like, why not make it a lot easier? Get out of your rut. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of Wink's wines are more like even more affordable than oh, wines yeah. at a wine store. Oh, yeah. we'll get to it because we're about to talk about this Cowtown White Blend, which shows notes of white fruit, honey, and vanilla, making it the perfect bottle to grab for an easy drinking time. And the 60s was such an easy drinking time. Mm -hmm. And even better, with this little beauty, you are not paying big city prices. This white is one that you'll want to (laughs) kick your boots off to enjoy. She retails for members at a mere $14. (laughs) $13.99. I love it. That's that's a great price. That's that is a such co- a great that's price. That's a Polkin good time. Finger licking good. She clocks in at 13.6% ABV. You could drink her on a boat. You could drink her in a moat. <laughs> and it's a cracker, so you don't even actually need your nice pop wine key, but you might just want to have it on hand just in case a serial killer tries to kill you and you need to stab them. And we do have other merch, but we just always rep the wine key. 
Well, yeah, and the wine segment. Got to wrap the wine key in the wine segment. We have a shitload of other merch. So if you haven't visited our online store at wineandcrimepodcast.bigcartel.com anytime recently, go take some merch off our hands. We're basically hoarders. Yeah, go take a gander. (laughs) It's becoming a problem. Yeah. Shall we crack? Let's Let's do it. it. Here we go. (laughs) Oh, Oh, that was a hearty crack. When I exert myself, my chin just melts into my neck. It helps <gasps> out. <gasps> it fortifies me. <laughs> you turn into Big Ed. Yes. <laughs> oh, I am drinking out of a Plan Ahead Salt Your Dad racks glass. Nice. Oh, which so. have also been flying off the shelves. Mm-hmm. This smells Makes good. me so happy. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Cheers. Mm, oh, she yes. tasty. Yummer. Nice and dry. I got another black cherry white claw because. Got to. I'm going to pop this not? in my work fridge. Your work fridge. I need to get one. <laughs> you really it's do. Time. Label your lunches, people. I don't have to. They're all mine. <laughs> and there is no food in this fridge. And this fridge is full. And no one cares if you microwave a tuna sandwich in there. Oh, Jesus. Someone cares. Yeah. Someone somewhere always cares. (laughs) I'm just saying. Um, Like a work fridge. All right. So, La, what is our background and hopefully psych for it was the 60s? It was. No no psych. (laughs) Yeah. Well, psych. I haven't been given. Well, yes. I'll say that I did a lot of 60s hippie research when we did our hippie homicides show in San Francisco Mm -hmm. when we were on tour in 2019. That was awesome. That was a fun and rowdy as fuck show. That was a rowdy as fuck show. We were not expecting the San Fran folks to be as turnt (laughs) as y'all were. Y'all pulled through. Like, I can't believe we didn't have to, like, have security push people away. It very (laughs) easily could have turned into uh, what was it? The Rolling Stone? What happened? Oh, Oh, we'll get to it. Honey, we'll get to it. Because I know Amanda covered that in that episode, but... Was it that? No, that was Music Fest Crimes. That was Oh, yeah, it might have been. It was an uh, something starts with A, Speedway. Uh, Mm -hmm. We'll get to it. It's literally in my notes. Okay, Ariola Speedway. (laughs) There she is. There's my girl. Anyway. (laughs) Ariola Speedwagon. Okay. The 1960s, a.k.a. the 60s, was a decade of the Gregorian calendar that began on January 1st, 1960 and ended on December 31st, 1969. Was Mm. it a leap year? Yes. Very important. You would have had at least least two leap years within, right? Yeah, you would have had at least two leap years within a a decade, decade. Not a year. Oh, that makes sense. I was like, don't ask me. I don't know anything <laughs> about time. What am I, a watch? It's fairly predictable, and yet we're mystified. <laughs> so when we talk about the 60s, we are more often talking about the cultural period that began around 1963 with the assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy, God rest his soul, and ended around the resignation of douche canoe Nixon in mm-hmm. 1974. It's interesting how the swing went from one of our most attractive presidents to one of our least attractive presidents mm-hmm. so quickly. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I wonder if there are any more recent versions Examples of something of occurring such. like that in <laughs> yeah. the United States. 
I, yep. God. I'm still recovering. I think Barack is hands down the most most attractive president we've ever had. Mm -hmm. Uh, Definitely top five. Mm -hmm. And I can vouch. Biden was pretty hot a billion years ago. (laughs) Yes, 180 (laughs) years ago. I don't know. I'm a John Quincy Adams gal. <laughs> I'm going to look Ick. at all the presidents. Um, you need to look at John Quincy Adams. List of U.S. Is he the presidents. one who had the beard all the way down his face? Portraits. I, the, the, what's sticking in my mind about the Quince, as I call him, is the <laughs> nose. <laughs> and okay. also, remember when it was like, I, I don't remember when this was. A couple years ago, there was a fad where there was this like specific art museum like very famous art museum that you could that made yes, an app yes 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 that you yes, like yes, put your yes, face yes, on it and yes. it'll be like what what painting from history do you look like and mine was a presidential portrait of john quincy adams <laughs> was the most similar to my face according to that app i have got to show i just came across this yesterday i did Corey, my husband can you see this yeah yes who is it it's not a famous, it's just a famous person. It's a famous painting. It's called After the Luncheon mm-hmm. by that Auguste Renoir. Take it a nap. <laughs> I'll put that this on the drive. Um, John Quincy Adams looks a lot like Amanda's dad. Yeah. And also but, Michael and yet Phelps she's super should attractive. play Abraham Lincoln <laughs> in the world's most boring movie. <laughs> <laughs> Hear that, Hollywood? Take notes. Zachary oh my God. I'll Taylor put was on the pretty drive. cute. Can we move on? Because yeah. I've gotten two I'll sentences I'll just interject. Oh. Us moving on is Kenyon will just quietly be scrolling through presidents throughout your entire section. That's I'm fair. almost done. Honestly, it's Barack Obama and Zachary Taylor. I got nothing else. Not into any of the rest. JFK was a cutie. Eh, he was such a misogynist. His eyes were well, kind yeah, of they're far all apart. Men. But LBJ he had was... a big dick. Sure. You know. What? If that's, know? A well, that's a well, that's <laughs> a Me and LBJ. <laughs> you <laughs> don't make me Is that why I they call them BJ? I gave him a blowy in high school. <laughs> no, he's he never well came. known to have a have had a big dick and to like whip it out at like urinals, like intimidate lawmakers and stuff. Well, I clearly have not brushed <laughs> up on that corner of presidential history. So Did thank the B you stand for, for baloney? <laughs> oh, my okay. God, Lyndon Big Dick Johnson. <laughs> okay, God. So this is a quote from Wikipedia. Quote: The term "the sixties" is used by historians, journalists, and other academics in Podcasters. scholarship and popular culture to denote the co- the complex of interrelated cultural and political trends around the globe during this era. Some use the term to describe the decades' counterculture and revolution in social norms about. Clothing, music, drugs, dress, sexuality, formalities, and schooling. So that was the shit that I talked about in our hippie homicides crime. So I did mm. not really go into hippies because there is so much fucking more to the 60s. Yep. Others use it to denounce the decade as one of irresponsible excess, flamboyance, uh, and the decay of social order. Mm. The decade was also labeled the swinging 60s because of the fall or relaxation of social taboos that occurred during this time, but also because of the emergence of a wide range of music 
From a folk music revival to the Beatles revolution. Ever heard of them? No. To the introspective lyrics of Bob Dylan and Paul Simon. Norms of all kinds were broken down, especially in regards to civil rights and precepts of military duty. Mm. So basically my segment today, I'm going to walk us through the loosely defined decade, one occurrence at a time. Cool. And our story starts. Oh, by the way, I will say there is a fuckload of shit that I yeah. left out because obviously. Oh, wait, you can't cover an entire decade in complete detail in a 25 to 30 minute segment of a show that goes over two hours and then we want to just eat <laughs> our own faces off? Regretfully, <laughs> no. Okay, well, I will be leaving well, a strongly worded yeah. review. Unsubscribe. <laughs> One star. Don't at I me. hear they play this on repeat in Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> <laughs> if only that would so help our ad sales. That I, I want my tombstone. <laughs> we to have just... that many extra downloads. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I, I want that to be that just as I'm a hologram as my no. tombstone. Is yes. that review? <laughs> yeah. Is Guantanamo Bay still open? Yes, but Biden did say that he wants to close it. Although Obama also said that he was going to close it's it. It's been home. said many times. It remains to be seen. Okay. We shall see. TBD. We'll see. TBD. Okay. Lyndon Our story D. begins with the end of the 1950s when Europe had largely wrapped up with post-war reconstruction, casually. World War II had practically leveled the social classes and post-war economic boom, the post-war economic boom hugely expanded the middle class in Western Europe countries and the U.S. Mm-hmm. And like other countries, but... Mm-hmm. In Eastern Europe, countries like the Soviet Union were also improving economically, and worldwide GDP growth began increasing an, on average 6% for the re- the second half of the 20th century. Wow. So we're on a, a definite upswing here at the end of the 50s. Sure. Okay. So everyone's got a little more money for the most part. Not, not everyone, obviously, but mm-hmm. worldwide average. <laughs> Correct. Well, globally, countries are doing better. Mm-hmm. Sure. Everyone's relieved that the war is over. We've got a lot of new technology that we're all hyped about. So a lot of shit is changing all over the world. It's like really turning over into this new era at mm-hmm. this point. Women had been forced into the workforce. Now they're forced back into the home. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Lots the way of shifts. it's meant to be. Lots of shifts. I personally love being in the home. <laughs> Just not doing but any of the but your partner wiffery. Oh <laughs> no 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 no! Your partner also does all of the cooking and cleaning. So he does do basically all of the cooking. Though I have been upping my game on some of the cleaning, but some, <laughs> yeah, some. You know, I don't want to give him too much and then have him like expect that from yeah. me. Good call. <laughs> okay, so beginning in I'm ni- no idiot. This is the year nineteen sixty. In February. Okay, also think of how recently the 60s was. It was yeah. our parents six, 60 years ago. Our parents this time. Yeah, were like fully functioning six, 61 young years ago. This is teens. But like mm-hmm. some of these, I just kind of want to preface some of these things seem like they happened forever ago, and some of these things happened like seemed like they happened yesterday. So. Mm-hmm. It kind of blew my mind when I was going through this, like, all these timelines. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
February, four black college students from Greensboro, North Carolina, staged sit-in at a segregated Woolworth counter, lunch counter, protesting their denial of service. This action caused a national campaign waged by 70,000 students, both white and black, over the next eight months and sit-ins across the nation for civil rights. Because So, like, very beginning of the 60s is really when civil rights, like, activity and uh, Mass action. Activism. Yeah. Activism yeah. really Took off. kicked it off. In March... South African police killed 69 black protesters in the Sharpeville massacre. Mm -hmm. I don't know a lot about that. Kenyon, do you know anything about that? I don't know how what sparked it. I just know that Sharpeville was a township and under apartheid, black people were forced to live in townships and where they could live was super tightly segregated. And it's they, like reservations in the U.S. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they had to have like a passport basically to... Like ever was, leave that to, area. Yeah, similar to slavery in the United States back mm -hmm. in the day. You know, you mm -hmm. had to have a, like a pass to travel from like one area to another. It was the same thing. So I don't know what kicked off the Sharpeville massacre specifically, but there were a lot of, I mean, there was just so much police yeah. violence and, and just violence in general under apartheid. So this kind of just gives a little bit of window into the unrest that was going on in South Africa because South Africa also underwent a lot of revolutions in right. the 60s. Mm -hmm. Okay, in June, independence from Belgium starts a long civil war in the Congo. Mm -hmm. In September, the first televised presidential debate in the U.S. occurred between JFK and Nixon. Back to the Congo real quick. Okay. So... The Congo, DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo, was actually poised to do quite well post-independence from Belgium, despite the fact that Belgium was one of the absolute worst colonizers to have ever existed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And Patrice Lumumba was a left-leaning, iconic politician and, and leader, and he was assassinated by the CIA. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, you that, covered that, and you've covered that before. Mm -hmm. That kicked off the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Okay. So anyway. So did he, did he declare independence from Belgium, and then no. he was assassinated, and then that's when that started? I don't think he declared independence from Belgium, but he was one of the first elected leaders of the country. I'm getting a little fuzzy, but he was one of the very first elected leaders, and he was young and, and promising and brilliant and He's beloved. like their Fred Hampton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was like like a young he's, revolutionary, he's, yeah, poised mm -hmm. to do some serious mobilizing of the community and give power to the people. And he Can't was have very that. He was smart about kind of leveraging like the Soviet Union against the U.S. to try mm -hmm. to get what he could for his country. But he wasn't like you know a communist, and the mm. CIA just fucking assassinated him. It's horrible. The CIA is awful, and we will get back to the CIA. Mm -hmm. So September, first televised presidential debate. In November, the U.S. voters chose John F. Kennedy, the youngest elected president in history, in and U.S. history. Catholic. And Joe Biden is only the second Catholic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, not that I like Catholics, but that's a fun fact. It's just, it's trivia. Yeah. Good old Catholic trivia. And in December, an armed coalition of communists and insurgents emerged in South Vietnam, a.k.a. the Viet Cong. Mm. So that'll 
That'll circle back at some point in the 60s, that old I'm can sure. Of worms. That can worms. That'll get that Pandora's backs. <laughs> backs. <laughs> 1961 was a little bit quieter. In April, Russia sends Yuri Gagarin into space in the first orbital flight. There's a picture of Yuri on the drive. He had some questionable elements of his personal life, but he's kind of cute. And we have a matching oh scar on our left eyebrow. Just saying. Oh, eyebrow. Also buddies. in April. Oh, my God, you do. Right. Also, oh, but also, according to his Wikipedia page, he got that scar because his wife caught him in a sexual liaison with a nurse. And he to escape, he just leapt out of a second story window and hit his head. Sir. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> he comes home bleeding. Pieces of glass stuck in his face. And he's I like, got in a car accident. You will not believe what happened to me. It's been a weird day. And I was not. In that woman's apartment. All right. Okay. <laughs> when you come in, like, also in April, the CIA funded the invasion of Cuba at the Bay of Pigs, and that failed. The CIA wah. was just on quite a tear. The and CIA was on a fucking tear. Suck. Well, as what was the episode that we recently did about Hoover? Mm-hmm. What was that? Abuses of authority. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Kenyon covered the fucking CIA that man. guy. Mm-hmm. In August, the construction of the Berlin Wall began. Mm-hmm. Moving along to 1962, in March, Bob Dylan released his first album called Bob Dylan in the U.S. Ever Bob heard of Dylan it? From Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That's so a girl that I worked with at ProX in Minnetonka, remember photo processing labs? Yes. That's where we worked together. Her mother went to high school with Bob Dylan. That's wild. And she brought in her yearbook, and I could see Bob's little picture. And Cute. he signed an it. An ex of mine went to high school with Bob Dylan's kids. And Cute. A kid. I don't know. And uh, met him several times at, like, school concerts. Did Can you imagine like being, this? like, a middle schooler and having to perform at Dude, a musical concert? Stars and Stripes forever Bob for Dylan. Bob Dylan. I would not know who the fuck Bob Dylan was That's at that true. age. I also... I, unpopular opinion. I'm not a fan of Bob Dylan's music. I'm not a so. huge fan. I like yeah. his earlier stuff, but his later stuff when he says I like this. I don't like a, that. A couple good songs. Zach yeah. plays a lot of Dylan and Ugh. sings along. Oh. I've trained okay. I've trained a certain partner out of playing Bob Dylan in my presence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's Next. exactly <laughs> three Bob Dylan songs that yeah. I enjoy. Same. I could tolerate. And that's only if no one's singing along to them. Yep. yep. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm a Spice Girls gal. Yep. I'm a Fleetwood Macker myself. Also oh, hard yeah. same. Okay. August of 1962, Marilyn Monroe was found dead from an overdose of sleeping pills. Mm-hmm. Still up in the air in my mind. Mm-hmm. Also, that was the same month that Nelson Mandela was arrested. Mm. In October... Escorted by federal marshals, James Meredith became the first black student to register at the University of Mississippi. And him even just going onto campus, there were like protesters mm-hmm. and rioters. It was like a whole big thing. Mm-hmm. So God bless James Meredith. Also in October, the Cuban Missile Crisis began. In 1963, in February... We have the publication of The Feminine Mystique by mm. Betty Friedan, which was a for milestone Dan. for Dan, which was a milestone in the U.S. women's movement. 
In March, the last 27 prisoners of Alcatraz, which was the island prison in the San Francisco Bay, were ordered to be removed by Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, and the federal penitentiary was closed at that time. Mm -hmm. We'll get back to Alcatraz. In June, Pope Paul VI succeeds PJ the 13th. Wow. The 23rd, I mean. Pope Paul VI. We got Pope Paul. We got JP the 6th. In August, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech was delivered, which was a defining moment in the U.S. civil rights movement. In September, we have the formation of the Federation of Malaysia, which ignites the Indonesia-Malaysia confrontation. I don't know a whole lot about Malaysian history, but like... You don't? I also also tried to just include... like all of dare you all of these things I'm not inviting you to my dinner party had a snowball effect on global politics okay. I don't fucking know how okay I don't know anything about that either but it happened I was once in the airport in Malaysia and went up to and like had a very long layover but couldn't leave the airport and wanted to like buy things and thought that I had to have local currency which like I probably didn't have to have local currency but I went up to the currency trading window and was like, can I have whatever money you have here? I'll have what she's <laughs> having. <laughs> Walla Lumpur dollars? I don't know anything about this. Place. Jesus fucking Christ. Is that the I airport? Is that the airport that has that huge like indoor garden? Like I don't remember. It was very clean and nice i don't remember much okay well thanks for that information you're welcome thank you for that contribution anecdote completely unrelated in november 1963 president (laughs) kennedy was assassinated Mm -hmm. in texas Mm -hmm. okay moving on to 1964 in january beatlemania hits the shores of the united states with the release of i wanna hold your hand Crazy that Beatlemania was after the JFK's assassination. assassination. Yeah. I know. It was the distraction the world needed. Yeah. Um, so that song became the Liverpool group's first hit in North America. And one week later, their first U.S. album was released, which was called Meet the Beatles. Why? Wow. Which was M E A T. That would have been good. M E A T, the B E E T L E S. O M J. Yes. Yes, I yes, bet yes. that's been released. I bet someone's done that. Kenyon meets every beetle that scurries across her desk. You do. You grind them to a halt. I don't need to save the lives of an invasive species of insect. Do you not notice that they stink when you smash them? That's why they're called stink bugs. I haven't noticed any real stink, but do we've you already talked about my teeth brushing. Yeah, so. fair. Okay. So moving along to, na- oh yeah, we're already in 1964. In February, Cash- Cassius Clay, a.k.a. Muhammad Ali, defeats Sonny Liston to become the world heavyweight boxing champion. Mm-hmm. In June, U.S. Senate pa- the U- the U.S. Senate passes President Johnson's civil rights bill. President Big Johnson's civil rights bill. President Big Dick Johnson's civil rights bill. In August, the where's g- Quince when you need him? <laughs> Ugh. 
In August, the Gulf of Tonkin incident occurred in which the North Vietnamese are provoked into firing upon the American destroyer, the Maddox, leading to the escalation of American military commitment in Vietnam. And shortly thereafter, President Johnson orders the United States Air Force to bomb North Vietnam below the 20th. He had a big dick and he did some good things with civil rights, but he it was kind of like pulling teeth to make him do those things. And also he fucked Vietnam. Like, yes, correct. The Viet, uh, yeah. I mean, complicated history there. Where would you gauge Vietnam versus Iraq? Like in our generation, I feel like Iraq was worse because well, Vietnam it was way had longer. A, well, in terms of deaths, I think and civilian deaths, I think Vietnam would be way far and above, True. but. Unfortunately, there's terrible data. Yeah. Because... Uh, well, intentionally, yeah. there's terrible data. Right, exactly. Like, mm-hmm. in terms of U.S. military deaths, Vietnam, mm-hmm. a, thousand, a million percent, but civilian deaths, I don't know, but I'm assuming Vietnam. But Iraq was also horrendous, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Ugh. Anyway, lots of parallels we Equally can draw Equally, not... In, not good. Not good conflicts for us to have fucking gotten ourselves Equally into as in the first unnecessary place. Yeah. and like m- misled. Mm-hmm. Misled. In October, we got Nikita Khrushchev's fall from power in the USSR. I know these names. I just don't say them very frequently. I don't know these names, <laughs> so you're crushing it. Khrushchev. 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 Anatoly, anyway. Anatoly Movskin. <laughs> He dropped out of the USSR. Yeah. And in November, President Johnson, Big Dick Johnson, defeats Goldwater. So he won re-election, but really his first election. Correct. By default. In 1965, okay, we got in January, Winston Churchill dies. Oh, Old ass. R.A.P. In March, President Big Dick Johnson sends the first U.S. ground troops to Vietnam, starting a dramatic increase in U.S. troop commitment. Mm. In August, we have race riots in the predominantly black Los Angeles neighborhood of Watts. So these are the Watts riots. Mm -hmm. After six days, at least 34 people are dead. Mm -hmm. In November, we have power failure blackouts in New York, parts of New England, and parts of Canada. And also in November, Ian Smith, the head of the white minority government in Rhodesia, made a unilateral declaration of independence from Britain, provoking economic sanctions. Again, don't know a lot about Rhodesia, but try to get some of these global economic... Rhodesia is the modern Zimbabwe. Rhodesia is the old name for it when it was under white control. It was Mm -hmm. called Rhodesia after Cecil Rhodes. Okay. And Rhodesia had a very similar, if not identical, system of apartheid as South Africa. Mm. But then when Zimbabwe became independent, they took a different track than South Africa took towards independence. And most white people left Zimbabwe. Mm -hmm. So then that example of formerly Rhodesia, now Zimbabwe, informed a lot of what happened with South Africa and why South Africa didn't go as far in terms of economic equality because they were afraid of, like, civil war and, like, the loss of investors and stuff. Okay. Anyway, I recently had a, a 
white guy in Kentucky tell me that he wanted to visit Rhodesia, and that oh, told me Jesus. everything that I needed to know about him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, I didn't know anything about it. I'm glad that you did, but it also makes sense. It kind of feeds into all of these global occurrences, revolutions, mm-hmm. all this crazy shit. Was it during the 60s New York blackouts that Son of Sam was... At large, or was that? I think later? that was seventies. I think that I'm was pretty sure oh, yep. Son of Sam You're was seventies. Right. You're right. Okay, uh, I get confused. But I'm sure. I mean, thinking of New York really before the nineties, like there was a lot of of crime. You know, mm-hmm. like so those blackouts in the sixties. I don't know a lot about them, but I'm sure it was not helpful. A total clusterfuck. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what it was like in the sixties. The seventies and eighties were pretty rough. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, moving on to 1966. In January, Indira Gandhi was elected prime minister of India, and she was the first and so far the only female prime minister of India. In March, the UK general election sees Harold Wilson's Labour Party returned with an increased majority, so like a big surge in the Labour Party in March of 66. In April, U.S. troops in Vietnam totaled a quarter of a million 250,000 troops. Wow. And Vietnam is not a large country. Mm-mm. Like, our response to Vietnam was like... I mean, it was an intense occupation. Very intense. A different way of waging war mm-hmm. and one that we were not prepared and not suited for. Yeah, for sure. In May, Chairman Mao of China, Mao's cultural revolution begins in China. Millions will be persecuted as he asserts his authority. That's the only thing I have here out of this timeline, but like... That's hella complicated. Mm -hmm. Hella complicated and millions died. Like his China and Mao's shit in China, fucking crazy. When was the Great Leap Forward? I think that was later. But that's when like millions died of starvation. May of 66... But yeah, there was like famine and the mm-hmm. government didn't do anything about it. And like, you know, the one child policy and mm-hmm. all these baby girls and uh, la, la, la. A, lot it's of, a, whole a lot of not great stuff. Not great. In July, we get Medicare beginning, which was the one government. right spot. Oh. Well, for a short period of time, which is the government medical program for citizens over the age of 65. In October of 1966, Huey Newton and Bobby Seale form the Black Panther Party in the U.S. And we also see the first public burning of a draft card occurring in protest to the Vietnam War. And it was coordinated by the anti-war group of students called the National Coordinating Committee to End the War in Vietnam. It's a long name, and I love it. N-C-C-E-W-V. I feel like it could have come up with a better acronym. Always and maybe be there branding was. ah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, jumping to 1967. In January, hippies attend the first human be-in at Golden Gate, Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, which I think I talked about in my hippie homicides, yeah, which I also don't familiar. think that we've released as... I don't think we have. I don't think... I don't think the sound quality was good enough. I don't think we can release it. Yeah, I don't it, think we sadly. can release it. So, yeah. Sorry. Hope you were there. <laughs> That's why oh. you buy tickets to a live show whenever that can happen again. <laughs> oh, God. 
Also That's in January, fine. the first Super Bowl was held in Los Angeles between the Green Bay Packers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Well, with Green Bay, that is the darkest moment. Yeah, I was of saying, and the, the darkest world moment has of been the garbage ever since. <laughs> and Green Bay won thirty-five to ten. Get out! Oh, that is really a dark, dark time. Bad time for humanity. Seriously, for Midwestern humanity. Over fifty-one million people watched it on television. Suffered. Oh, suffered. Yes. Suffered. Yeah. <laughs> Died. In March of 67, South Africa rejected the idea of a cricket series against the West Indies because it would involve non-whites. Yeah, South Africa was just really great for a lot of decades. South Africa was a fucking prick throughout a lot of the 20th century. Yep. Including the 60s. Yep. In April, Muhammad Ali was stripped of the world heavyweight boxing title, which I mentioned previously, for refusing to enter... The U.S. Army. Mm-hmm. In June of 67, Israel attacked Egypt to start the Six-Day War. Again, something that I really don't know a lot about. I but. basically know nothing about that either. I need to learn some Israeli history. I am very ignorant. It was important. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. In July, civil war broke out in Nigeria. And also the Detroit race riots began. And after four days, 43 people were dead. Mm. Lots of race riots. Also lots of plane crashes and lots of earthquakes in the 60s. Hmm. Which I didn't list all of those, but like. It was going on. There was probably just a lot more plane travel and like not a lot of. Statistically. Regulation. Well, when we did our flight attendant crimes, I can tell you that like the. 50s, 60s, like commercial travel for leisure, air mm. travel for leisure was really picking up. Yeah. yeah, And just a lot of like globalization, lots of global events. Mm-hmm. Like one of the things that the I- The Super Bowl. I don't- It did kill people. I don't think I added this in here, but I did read that the the entire U.S. Olympic figure skating team was on an airplane going to the Olympics, I think, in Berlin, and their plane went down, and like seventy some people died. Oh, oh my god! Yeah, lots of plane, cr- lots of plane crashes. Hmm. Okay, in October of 1967, Che Guevara was killed in Bolivia, and Thurgood Marshall was sworn into office as the first Black Supreme Court justice. In November, the first issue of Rolling Stone magazine was published. Which in we've Decem- been in. <laughs> on the we cover. Have. No, we were That's not, not on the cover. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was our rendition of the Britney Spears cover. Oh, it was good. Yeah. We're not so innocent. <laughs> <laughs> also, save Britney. Free Britney. Okay. In December, the launch of full-color TV service was available in Britain's BBC2 mm-hmm. channel. And also, Dr. Christian Barnard conducted the world's first heart transplant operation in Cape Town. Hmm. And also in December, Otis Redding was killed in a plane crash. Uh, a lot of plane crashes. Weird. Lots of plane crashes. Okay, so 1968, gotta be honest, fucking sucked. 1968 is like, it's like a, it's like a catchphrase for a year of turmoil. It's, turmoil. It's the 2020 of the 60s. Yeah. You know what? At this point, I'm hesitant to even label 2020 as like the worst year of my life because like 
it's too early to tell. It's too early to tell. Life left to fuck Things up. Things can get a lot worse. It's, it's going has to. Has not been off to a great start. No, gonna be honest. It's no. gonna get worse. It's, like, honey, I guarantee it. I feel like we have another decade of the sixties on our yeah. hands. Yeah, I feel like we are in our version of the sixties right now, which means that we have another nine years of shit. Gird your loins, baby. Okay, we'll count the four years of Trump. So yeah, maybe cha- we have five years of shit. Chaos does not follow the Gregorian calendar. So mm-hmm. maybe it started with Trump and maybe it'll end two years from now. Who knows? It might not be a full ten years. Right. But right. we're in a we're in a period in of it. bullshit for sure. Okay, 1968 in March. The May Lai massacre in Vietnam occurred. And between 347 and 504 unarmed Vietnamese civilians were murdered by U.S. troops, many of whom were raped and mutilated. My God, I didn't realize it was that many. It, every time I read that statistic, it seems like more. But it's always obviously the same. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like a tenth of that, and that would still be a lot. It was, mm-hmm. several, it was several villages. Wow. Uh, unarmed and the reason they went in as far as i remember the military thought that there were a bunch of Viet Cong and like mm-hmm. they had all those underground tunnels yes they did they had all those things but they thought that these this this area of villages were like in on it and that they were like hiding weapons and blah 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 so they killed everybody mm-hmm. and they found one weapon mm-hmm. like one gun mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't really want to linger on that because it's extremely depressing. And if you don't know about it, you should educate yourself about it because it's fucking awful. Okay. In April, we have the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. In May, student protests and a general strike happen in France. But like, what else is new? No, but this was really big. This was that a big was really one. big. They like but they really love their strikes. They like took over the 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 campuses of universities and mm-hmm. they didn't have like snipers, but they like fortified it themselves. It was a big deal. What were they protesting? That's a great question. <laughs> I think part of it part of it was definitely having co ed dorms. They, they were like protesting co ed dorms? No, they wanted to have co ed dorms, oh. which they were not allowed to have. Beyond that, I don't know, but it was like leftist students shutting shit down in France. They love protesting and striking. Yeah. But this was like next level. Okay. In June, we have the assassination of U.S. presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy. So he was shot at a like a hotel or whatever. He was giving his speech and mm-hmm. then he didn't die until the next day. Yep. But he, he had way even more potential than John, than his mm. brother John. He was he like he was like the a rising fucking star. Yeah, the fucking yeah. Kennedy family is so cursed, <laughs> right? Yeah. In August, Czechoslovakia's experiments in democracy ended as Soviet tanks entered. Again, there are just the, I, the, these are just little blips. Of yeah, <laughs> like world and they events. wouldn't I'm be sorry. free I don't know until like 1996. I don't think. Ugh, God. Also, we have uh, the riots outside the Democratic Party convention in Chicago, and then in November, Nixon was elected. Yay! Which was just the cherry on top of a horrible year. <laughs> in 1969, nice. 
The best year. January, Rupert Murdoch buys Britain's largest selling Sunday newspaper called News of the World. And Rupert Murdoch is a fucking rich, rich, rich beyond description. He's finally dead. Maybe not. I think he's dead. Doesn't matter. His whole family is like fucking. The legacy will live. In February, Yasser Arafat becomes the leader of Palestine, the Palestine Liberation Organization. In April, British troops arrive in Northern Ireland. Like Northern Ireland had their own can of worms. Jesus Christ. All of these are cans of worms. Mm -hmm. We ate a lot of worms in the 60s. Yeah. Who's your worm guy? Who is your worm guy? You're paying 1960. I hope he's working on commission. Mm-hmm. In June of 1969, we have the Stonewall Riots in New York, marking the beginning of the gay rights movement. Mm-hmm. In July, Apollo 11's Neil Armstrong walks on the moon, but so did Buzz Aldrin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there was another guy, I can't remember his name, like in Buzz Lightyear. Ship. Mm-hmm. Bugs Lightyear. Woody. To humidity <laughs> and beyond. Woody. <laughs> Slinky dog. Mr. Potato Head and also like Little Bo Peep and also Mrs. Potato Head and that really great dinosaur oh I love it Rex (laughs) yeah it's probably his name Rex (laughs) all on the moon all of them Uh, in August of 69 we have the Woodstock Music Festival in New York upstate New York ever heard of it in September John Lennon In September, John Lennon quit the Beatles. Bye-bye. Thanks, Yoko. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. (laughs) In October, Monty Python's Flying Circus first screened on BBC TV. And changed my father forever. (laughs) We loved Monty Python. We were so into Monty Python. He accumulated, like, every Monty Python-branded thing you could get we had like computer games he downloaded this thing on our gateway 2000 that turned the keyboard into like a monty python soundboard so i would like sneak in and reset it so that every time he typed it would be fart sounds we had the weirdest monty python shit at our house it was did did he live to see spam a lot yes we went and saw it we went and saw it in theaters, and that was where he laughed so hard while simultaneously choking on M&Ms <laughs> that in the live theater with assigned seats, people asked to be moved <laughs> at intermission because he was disrupting their experience. <laughs> That's how much he fucking loved it. I think we got him the tickets for Father's Day, and I remember at the time being like, so thoroughly embarrassed. Oh, and then looking what a back cherished on it, it's memory. Like, the best. The best. Like, <laughs> I'm so glad he got to experience such a moment of just unabashedly pure joy that he bothered other people because he was like so happy. So, yes, we did see Spam a lot. I love your dad. Okay. <laughs> Short answer yes. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. That was quite a day. (laughs) In November of 1969, Alcatraz Island, the former prison in San Francisco Bay, is occupied by 14 American Indians in a long standoff over the issues of Indian causes. Hmm. 
I watched a documentary, or at least part of a documentary about this occupation. It was, I it was intense and it was really cool. Mm-hmm. Highly recommend that. Also in November, the internet, which was then called ARPANET. Thank God they rebranded. Algorpanet. Algorpanet. <laughs> is invented by the Advanced Research Projects Agency at the U.S. Department of Defense. So, like, the internet was born in 1969. That's bonks. Like, I just, what I wouldn't give to go back to that time and experience the internet in its, like, first ever version. I'd be like, do you have Animal Crossing? They'd be like, like alien, murder her. (laughs) I feel like the first ever version was basically, like, the... Like basically just a, like a fax machine type, yeah. pretty much situation. Yeah. And yeah. It, the first computer was like as big as this room, right? Bigger. Yeah. yeah. I just I want to go to there, but our little <laughs> so internet badly. roots go all the way back to '69, which is mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Oh, here you go. In December of '69, the Altamont Speedway Free Festival erupted in violence, including the stabbing death of Meredith Hunter. And three accidental deaths, two of which were caused by a hit-and-run car accident and Mm -hmm. one by an LSD-induced drowning in an irrigation canal. Get after it. Scores were injured. Scores were injured, which I thought I almost read as scones were injured, which like... (laughs) Probably. (laughs) No. (laughs) Too much. Scones. (laughs) Scones were injured. Numerous cars were stolen and then Mm -hmm. abandoned, and there was... Extensive property damage. Like 300,000 people were there. Yeah, because we were so bored. Yeah. Well, because everyone, the internet everyone was just wanted to like only faxes. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so that's 69. And like I said, some shit went down after the 60s. So in early 1970, well, in 1970, a couple things happened that was like the death knell of the 60s, including. Paul McCartney quitting the Beatles and then subsequently filing a suit to dissolve the band. So, like, Mm. the Beatles were done. Mm -hmm. The U.S. invades Cambodia, and four students were shot dead by the Ohio National Guard at Kent State University in Ohio while protesting said invasion of Cambodia. Mm -hmm. Wow, I didn't realize that that was 1970, because it's just so ingrained in my mind as part of the 60s. Right. It was 1970. So that is my segment. And that was just to kind of give an overview of the fucking crazy ass shit that was going down in that decade and a little bit before and a little bit after. But just like, ugh, ugh. a lot. Well done. I mean, thanks. Damn. 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 (laughs) I I need to refill my drink and this bottle of Prosecco is done. So let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. Yes, let's. Care Of is a wellness brand that makes it easy to maintain your health goals with a customized vitamin plan that helps you feel your best today and supports you long term. Mm-hmm. You guys know that I'm a vitamins gal. A um, junkie. <laughs> I, I just like, you know, taking stuff that is going to maybe round out things that I'm missing from my diet, make me mm-hmm. feel a little bit better every day and um, I trust Care Of's products because they are formulated with good for you clean ingredients that are backed by science Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of vitamins and supplements out there on the market that 
are not snake oil. And you don't want to mess with that. Nope. Um, it's also super easy and tailored to you. So Care-of's in-depth five-minute online quiz, we love a good quiz, asks mm-hmm. you questions about your diet, your lifestyle, your health concerns, and then they use this to help address your specific wellness goals. So I um, am allergic to fish, so I mm-hmm. have to have a lot of... I still need to get my omega-3s, but a lot of just like regular over-the-counter multivitamins I can't take. So that's yeah. why I really like care of because they can tailor it to me and I know that I'm getting what I need, but I'm not going to feel sick. Mm-hmm. And we can celebrate women this Women's History Month. So, you know, everybody has a lot on their plate. Uh, mm-hmm. Moms, partners, business owners. And small routines like drinking a glass of water, taking your vitamins, maybe adding some collagen to your morning coffee. Mm. These can go a long way in helping you prioritize your health as self-care. I love that. I know. So get on board with us. For 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com slash gals50 and enter code GALS50, that's G-A-L-S-5-0. One more time, for 50% off your first care of order, go to takecareof.com slash GALS50 and enter that code GALS50 and just treat your wellness. Uh-huh, treat it. So, I don't know about you, but when it comes to skincare and beauty, mostly skincare, mm-hmm. I am always looking for little ways to treat myself. I wish you could see one of these days I'll take a picture of it. I know Canyon can relate. Our bedside tables yes. <laughs> covered in serums and creams. Potions. It's a full, yes. It's a witch's apothecary <laughs> yeah. next to my bed. So especially when I know I'm getting a quality product made with good for skin ingredients, that is like win, 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 win. And this is why I love ELF ELF Cosmetics. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Elf Cosmetics is all about bringing the best of beauty to every eye, lip, and face. Because that's what mm-hmm. ELF stands for. I get lip it. Face. Uh, See what uh, we did there? I did not know that before we got this ad copy, and now it makes oh. a lot more sense. I'm a longtime elf enthusiast. I have an elf under eye cream that has been life changing. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, with elf cosmetics, uh, you're going to get high quality premium makeup and skincare products at unbelievably amazing prices. And nobody else in the beauty game is making some of these like holy grail products for less than the price of, you know, like your mocha at yeah. your local coffee shop. If I told you what I've spent on some of those serums on my side table, I think people would would faint. It's it's a little shameful, some of what I've spent. And you don't need to spend that because there's Mm -hmm. Elf. I am completely obsessed with the Holy Hydration Face Cream. Yep. Oh, wow. She good. It After like two days, I noticed a difference. I have really sensitive hormonal acne prone skin with lots of like hyperpigmentation. My skin tone is so even. My skin is so smooth and hydrated. It's got yeah. hyaluronic acid. It's got peptides. Oh, mm. niacinamide. Mm. Just lock in all that moisture and brighten your face up. I love it. 
And whether it's a new formulation, a fun collab, or an of-the-moment trend, there's always something new to check out from e.l.f. So many of their products have become cult classics, garnering five-star, thousands of five-star reviews, and a huge online community. And everything is 100% vegan and cruelty-free, and they also make the perfect gift. So check out these prices. You can put together a little, like, gift bag for your bestie. Yeah. You know, a total self-care package. And not break the bank. I love that. And right now, as an exclusive offer for our podcast listeners, you can get 25% off your Elf purchase of $40 or more. That's a lot of products, folks. Mm-hmm. Go to elfcosmetics.com slash gals, G-A-L-S, and use that promo code gals to get this exclusive offer. This is the best deal out there right now. No joke. And you will not find it anywhere else. So one more time, that's promo code GALS at elfcosmetics.com slash gals. You get 25% off your elf purchase of $40 or more. Mm -hmm. So treat yourself to elf. With HelloFresh, you get fresh, pre-measured ingredients and mouth-watering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that is why it's America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh is the best. I cannot meal plan. I hate going to the grocery yeah, store. Yeah. I, I just, I don't like it. And I will only make the same three things. I'll make stir fry every day for the rest of my life if I don't have something to get me to cook. Mm-hmm. So HelloFresh just takes care of all of that. It cuts out stressful meal planning. It cuts out grocery store trips. So you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in about 30 minutes or less. And one of my favorite things ever about HelloFresh is that they offer 10 to 20 minute meals. Yeah. Yes. Because I'm, I'm totally that person who I won't even think about cooking until I'm already hungry and then I'm really mad that I yeah. have to cook for yes. like an hour. I'm upset. Yes. So you can get these, like I said, 10 to 20 minute meals, low prep recipes, quick breakfasts and lunches. Mm. It's perfect for a busy schedule. I recently whipped up a 20 minute meal that I could not believe was a 20-minute meal. It was the beef bulgogi bowl. Ooh, fancy. With, like, shredded carrots, pickled cucumber. Like, they walk you through how to do a quick pickling of your own cucumber. Mm-hmm. You make a sriracha crema. I mean, hi, when have I ever used the word crema mm-hmm. and known what that means? Yeah, you just feel so much better about yourself. You do. It's so good. I love it. And, you know, we talk all the time about how much of a problem food waste is in the United States. And HelloFresh is an amazing way with those pre-measured ingredients, pre-portioned. You're not going to be overbuying at the grocery store just to throw out all of that cilantro that you did not need. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Guilty as charged. Mm -hmm. So go to HelloFresh.com slash GALS12, G-A-L-S-1-2, and use that code GALS12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. Again, go to HelloFresh.com slash GALS12 and use that code GALS12 for 12 free meals, including free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. Treat your life. Treat it. I feel like... It has been a while since I've done a truly dark case. Yes. Oh, God. So we're going. I've kind of been itching for you to just I get real know. dark. Me too. So we're going back to my roots. And it's a truly dark case. But there are 
moments of interest besides just it being so dark. So, okay. Ira Einhorn, whose last name in German means one horn or unicorn. Ooh. Was Why does this remind me of Ace Ventura? Pet Ace detective? Ventura? Yeah. I don't know. F- oh, fickle and Einhorn. Laces out. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> Different. <laughs> Unrelated. It's fine. <laughs> so... <laughs> Ira Einhorn, Ira Unicorn, was born on May 15th, 1940, into a middle-class Jewish family in Pennsylvania. He graduated from the University of Pennsylvania in 1961 with a degree in English. And for a time, he seemed like a real smarty pants, and he was going to pursue a career in academia. He spent a year teaching English at Temple University, but... His contract was not renewed after he admitted to having, quote, contempt for the academic world, which does not not get you tenure. That doesn't jive with tenure. (laughs) Not great. And the fact that he had devoted many of his classes to telling his students about the, quote, delights and dangers of LSD. Mm. (laughs) Okay, I li- he would have been my favorite professor on Rate My like Professor. Delights like and him. dangers of liking this guy. <laughs> yeah, don't. Yeah, delights oh and God. dangers of being anywhere near this monster. Okay. So Ira began fully devoting himself to numerous, it was the 60s, counterculture movements. Okay. In his own words, he was a, quote, planetary enzyme. Far watcher and advance man for the countercultural revolution. Ish. Okay, so he's a total douchebag. Planetary enzyme. I want that on my fucking gravestone. <laughs> Amanda gets, <laughs> they play this at Guantanamo. <laughs> she was like a friend to us. She, she was, was like a friend. <laughs> and I get planetary enzyme. Get it. Okay. We're going to need I, a And scrolling. I get everything is dust. <laughs> I want a scrolling, like, hologram marquee with all the epitaphs. How long before you think people have digital epitaphs? I can't believe it's not already a thing. There's got to be a tombstone option with Mm -hmm. a screen, with an LED screen. Mm -hmm. It must exist. With his full beard, piercing blue eyes, and magnetic personality, Einhorn soon achieved the distinction of being the best-known hippie in Philadelphia. Foghorn Einhorn. (laughs) Yeah. According to Stephen Levy, who would eventually write a biography of Einhorn, quote, in the alternative United States, there was Jerry Rubin, Abby Hoffman, Timothy Leary, Allen Ginsberg. In alternative Philadelphia, there was only ever Ira. So he was a big fish in a small pond, basically. Mm, Yeah. People who lived in Philadelphia at the time noted that rather than being devoted to one cause— Ira seemed to mostly care about being perceived as avant-garde or, Mm. like, being ahead of, like, I liked them before it was cool. Right. Kind of thing with his different causes and movements. So he wasn't, like, legit caring as I found my John Quincy Adams side by side. (laughs) Thank God. God. About time. You weren't shitting enough on this man, so I knew you were up to something else. I've been scrolling (laughs) through photos for the last 10 minutes. 
<laughs> but I'm present now, okay. as present as I She's back. Will as ever I will be. Yep. As I will ever be. <laughs> but that photo is on the drive, Lucy, if you want to go take a look. I'm at. as attentive as I will ever be. <laughs> <laughs> so, for example, he was a devoted anti-war activist at the beginning of the Vietnam War, but once anti-war sentiments became more commonplace, he seemed to stop mentioning it and devoted all of his energy to environmental causes, which he would also eventually abandon in favor of an interest in hypnosis and telepathy. Oh, you're getting in... more and more off track here, pal. <laughs> an interest in fossil fuels. <laughs> and fossils. <laughs> Crystal healing. <laughs> so more than anything, Ira loved attention. I mean. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, but some people can do it. In a douchebaggy way, and some people are just Libras. Fair. <laughs> Thank you. Please like me. And you do need a top hat. I do need a top hat. <laughs> and a talk show. I have You have one. one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she ha- Hello. Check. <laughs> you're, you're currently on it. Oh, shit. It's happening right now. So, <laughs> go look at my John Quincy Adams photo, Lucy. I know you haven't looked at it yet because you haven't burst out laughing. <laughs> hey, give me one second. You're in the middle of something. I'm sorry. Give me the phone. Yeah, so you should be too. I'm listening. <laughs> Isn't it so good? Like, spot on. <laughs> Did Lucy just answer a phone call? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. This is off the fucking. She's on the phone. She's just. They're yelling at on me. The yes. Bye. <laughs> I said. I said. Can we please stop? I, I thought it was hear an emergency. That. Leave it in. <laughs> Leave it in. And somebody with Photoshop skills give John Quincy Adams a pink, a big <laughs> dick hairdo and a nose ring. We have the same lips, <laughs> the same nose. You the look exact same exactly smile lines. the same. I'm. It's that is my face. That is you have my, the same brows. Same brows. His need to be like, filled in a little bit. But quite honestly, same when brows. yours aren't filled in, though, they look like that. Yeah. Wow. Oh my God. This is yeah. Like this incredible. says thirty eight percent match. Lies ninety eight percent match. One hundred. The only difference is the pink hair. The hairline. <laughs> the only it's the difference. same mouth, the same nose, minus the piercing. Can you get a bald cap and dress up as John Quincy Adams for all I mean, it's probably really problematic, but the answer is yes, I can. <laughs> I, I am might able. have the hots for JQA. <laughs> I, that's what I'm saying. Oh, my God. Amanda Quincy Jacobson. Adams. Anyway, okay, so the Quince. Ira, the <laughs> Ira loved attention, much like Amanda, and he was a constant presence in Philadelphia, which Amanda almost was. Even at one point, running for mayor, he was oh. quite the dark horse candidate. He did not win. <laughs> According to one source, quote: "In those days, he was part of everything that was happening." Everybody knew Ira, and he knew everybody. He had a lot of magnetism, and he drew people into his orbit. Mm. One woman who was sadly drawn into his orbit at the time remembers, quote, 
He was a guru like there have never been gurus. I mean, people, important people, just used to sit at his smelly feet. Oh, that's a cult. You're Uh a cult leader now. That is a culty thing to do. The Beatles had gone to India, but others couldn't afford to do that, so they went to Ira. Oh, my God. (gasps) God bless him. So he was a makeshift Gandhi. He was like a makeshift guru guru in Philadelphia. A makeshift Jewish guru in yeah. Philly. Okay. Get it. Whatever works. I mean, he was not religious, but yeah. Ira no. never seemed to have it's a fusion. job or any money of his own, but he had a gift for getting wealthy and influential people to support him and making them think it was their own idea, and we will get to it. I love that. Eat the rich. Mm-hmm. Get it. <laughs> I mean, eat the rich unless they're propping up a monster well yeah yeah but aren't we all in some way yeah (laughs) and it was not just the hippies that loved ira he attracted the admiration of numerous philadelphia politicians and even civic leaders and became a sort of bridge between the anti-establishment and the establishment probably because he didn't give a fuck about any of the causes or like morals yeah he had no allegiances right Yeah. He was like, you're giving me attention and money and power? Great. Cool. But it eventually became clear to some that Ira's magnetism and persuasiveness had a darker side. Leading up to the first Earth Day event in 1970, and yes, I did misunderstand the assignment and my crime takes place in the 70s. It was the 60s. But as I clarified, the 60s really does stretch into the early 70s. There's bleeding. And even 1977. So, oh, uh, okay. Well, <laughs> that hashtag hometown. <laughs> so the first Earth fine. It was the 60s. <laughs> was he in his 60s? What? Ever. Okay. The 1860s <laughs> would have been more fitting. Whatever. He was like a counterculture 60s guy. Okay. So. Oh my God. <laughs> Whatever. I'm drinking more wine. You're being mean. Whatever. I'm just going to look at John bug Quincy facts. Adams. Bug facts. Hashtag, hashtag, hashtag bug John facts. Quincy Adams. <laughs> so. Hashtag Quince facts. Leading up to the first Earth Day event, which was held in Philadelphia, Einhorn was kicked out of several organizational meetings for being disruptive and, quote, not contributing anything of value. (laughs) Goals. But then, when when the day of the event, which was televised and watched by millions, came around, Ira grabbed, this is a quote, grabbed the microphone and refused to give up the podium for 30 minutes. Oh, no. He had nothing to do with the organizing of it. He was legit expelled from the organizing meeting because he was a distraction. And then he just literally co-opted it. He's that fucking guy. Mm -hmm. And I hate him. Mm Mm-hmm. Why did I like him? I don't even remember why. Oh, because he had a distaste for academia and he was an English major? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. God damn easy. it. That's fair. That's the past. Ugh. So this would lead to a persistent myth, probably started by him, that he had founded Earth Day. No. Uh-huh. 
sir. The confidence he of a white man. co-opted Earth Day. Yeah. yeah. Oh. And fucking unsurprisingly, an even darker side to Einhorn's egotism was seen only by the women in his life. Mm-hmm. In 1972, Einhorn met the stunningly beautiful and brilliant Holly Maddox, and there are photos on the drive. Holly was a former cheerleader. John Quincy Adams is stunningly beautiful. Stunningly beautiful John Quincy Adams. Yep. Oh, Um, she's gorge. Look at her. She's got like a very um, Jenny from Forrest Gump thing happening. Yeah. Jenna. She's got wonderful brows. Mm-hmm. I love this picture of her and her little flower her crown. Her flower yeah. crown. Yeah, she's cute. She's a looker. Yeah. yeah. She's And she's got perfect. like an L Woods thing happening as well because she was a former cheerleader and then she moved from Texas to Pennsylvania and she attended Bryn Mawr, which is extremely impressive. What? Like it's what? hard? <laughs> Wasn't that an all-girls school yes. for Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And she had recently graduated with a degree in fine arts from Bryn Mawr when she met Ira. According to people who knew Holly growing up, she was incredibly smart and always seemed to be searching for something. So she was like a searcher. She was on a a journey in life. She was searching for an egomaniac. Hmm. Unfortunately, yes. So while most of her friends had been content to stay in Texas, Holly had wanted to break away from her hometown, see the world, be a part of everything that had been going on. Holly and Einhorn were introduced to each other in a restaurant by mutual friends, and their romance was swift. Just two weeks after they met, she moved into his apartment. And he's he's much older than her. He had been a professor. She is just graduated. Slow it down, gals. Slow it down. People who knew them described their relationship as tempestuous. Oh, like the tempest. It's a great word. Tempestuous. Not to describe your relationship, though. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No healthy relationship is tempestuous. Like defenestration is also a great word. Right. Love. Not a great Also not great for describing your relationship. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So also misled. Great word. <laughs> and great, great for, for your, your relationship. relationship. Underused. <laughs> <laughs> under <laughs> underused <laughs> and underappreciated, if I'm being honest. Wholeheartedly underappreciated. <laughs> so part of why their relationship was tempestuous and fucking toxic is the fact that Ira insisted on having an open relationship, which it doesn't sound, which is like fine if both parties are into that, but it doesn't sound like Holly was that into it. And Ira would often brag to Holly about his other, quote, conquests. Oh, ish. No. That's... If you're referring to them as conquests... Yeah. Then you can't be in an open relationship. Like, that's not... Those There's two no respect things are incompatible. Cons- yeah, that's no, that's, that's ishy. super ishy. Yeah. So Holly's family, understandably, despised Ira mm-hmm. and considered him to be a bully. I'm imagining that she. I'm completely making this up, but I'm speculating. Speculating wildly <laughs> that she probably was like, "Oh, you don't like him because he's like." 
too revolutionary. He's too counterculture, or whatever. Mm. And they're like, no, we don't like him because he's, he's just a dick. And he trash. treats you like shit. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So one of Holly's sisters remembers on this one occasion when she brought, when Holly brought Ira back home to Texas with her, quote, he went out of his way to be unpleasant to everyone. One evening. Unpleasant? Unpleasant. Mm. Oh, great. One evening as we sat down for dinner, he began eating and reaching across the table for food, even as my father was saying grace. Okay, even if you're not oh. going to participate in grace. Yeah. Just fucking sit there quietly for a minute. Right. You don't have yeah. I've done that. I've been with family who wanted to say grace or say a prayer and I've just sat respectfully and Kenyon came to mass with me one yeah. time when I was growing up as a Catholic. Yeah. Mhm. And afterwards, we talked about how fucked up it was, but not during. No. no. You just be respectful. Yeah, it was a fucking power move. He was being a dick. That's ridiculous. Later, while we were sitting in the living room, Holly came in with the family photo album and asked oh, Ira God. if he would like to see pictures of her when she was a child. Oh, no. He said, quote, no, comb my hair. <gasps> oh. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> That's so asshole-ish that I can't. I can't. What? No. Play with my hair. No. If I I had someone to play with my hair on demand, I'd be a happy woman. Play with my hair. He said, "No, comb my hair." No, I know what he said, but translation to my life, even both parts of that sentence are disgusting. Oh yeah, saying no to in front of. Your partner's family, who you're meeting, who you should be trying to make a good impression on, that you don't want to see baby pictures of your partner. That's a classic. That's the classic I'm bringing my partner home to meet my family move. You look at the baby photos. It's it's part of the job. It's a fucking gimme. All you have to do is sit there. Just say yes and sit there. Yes, she was cute. Just agree with mom that she was the cutest baby. It's not hard. Even if she was hideous. Smile. Who agree? But no, it's all about him. Even if you do want your hair played with, there are more appropriate times. It's abuse. It's a it's a control move. He doesn't Uh want the attention to be on her. It's Uh about him. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Finishing the quote. Give me five minutes with him. Yeah, five minutes only. So back to the quote from Holly's sister, quote, I'll never forget the hurt look on Holly's face as she put the album aside and went to find a comb and brush. He just smiled as if pleased that he'd shown everyone in the room that he was in complete control. That Ah. is so creepy. That's so The whole family. That's so Mm -hmm. fucked. Fuck that guy. Mm Mm-hmm. He puts a stain on all English majors who he have dies, a stain right? for academia. We will get oh, to yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Does he die? So, we will get it. to it. So Holly and Ira fought and broke up regularly, but always seemed to get back together. Again, a hallmark of an abusive relationship. That is until 1977, which is the 60s, when mm-hmm. Holly <laughs> made clear <laughs> it was that the 60s. it was still the 60s. <laughs> it's a two-decade decade. When Holly, well, do we know the temperature for that day? It might have been in the 60s. It, was, it could have been in the, I don't know the month. I should know. There's no way to know. Whatever. She Let's made assume. it clear that she was finally leaving him once and for all, and she moved to New York. She even called, she called her family, told them that 
she was done with Ira. The family was elated. Mm-hmm. It felt Rejoicing. like it felt like it was really the the last time she would leave. But as we know from abusive relationships, mm-hmm. that's the most risky dangerous and dangerous time. Einhorn called her and convinced her to come back to Philadelphia in order to retrieve the belongings she had left in the apartment they shared, claiming that if she didn't return, he would throw everything she owned out on the street. Mm -hmm. Uh, (sighs) And I've never been in that position, so I'm not judging, but I have broken up with someone and left valuable belongings at their home so that I didn't have to deal with retrieving them. And that wasn't an abusive relationship. I was just so done. Yeah. <laughs> I was I mean, just like, you can keep those fucking Steve Madden boots and my library book and I will pay the fine and I'm yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, I mean, a friend of ours a- who we know dearly who is listening right now had that exact same threat from her now ex-partner and I went to their house and we basically hired movers like that day Mm-hmm. To get all of her stuff out in mm-hmm. like the four hour window where we knew he would be at work. Mm-hmm. It was very stressful. Like nothing was packed. It was like, just get what you can. Mm-hmm. And if anything was left behind, like you just leave it. Yeah. If you have that window of opportunity and the help to do it, like great. But if you don't, yeah. Grab well, your meds and go. It sounds like. He lured her. Oh, he absolutely did. Yeah. He was waiting. He was lying in wait. Correct. Yeah. I, he probably was pretending to be calm mm-hmm. and was like, well, come pick up your shit or I'm going to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And so she probably thought that she could go back and get it and then be finally done. Mm-hmm. So she reluctantly agreed and she made the trip back to Philadelphia from New York. She was just 30 years old at the time. And she would never be seen alive again. Jesus Christ. I mean, I knew it was coming. I know. It's it's never. I told you guys that I. This is getting serious um, uh, 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 Robert Durst vibes because I recently rewatched All Good Things, Mm -hmm. that movie with Ryan Gosling Uh, and mm -hmm. Kirsten Dunst, which was about that. Mm -hmm. And this reads a lot. Yes. Very similarly. Mm hmm. Well, they often do these types of cases. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of patterns. Yep. Well, I mean, even like the the era, the the mm-hmm. the, yeah. the decades, the mm-hmm. occasional shows of force in front of the family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Einhorn, as the last known person to see her alive, was questioned by the police after her disappearance. But he insisted that after arriving at the apartment, Holly had gone to the local co-op to buy some tofu and sprouts. And she had never returned, and he didn't know what happened to her. Did he have to explain it in the most hippie fucking way possible? I know. See, did it he have counts. to? It was the sixties. It really was the sixties. Although I literally have tofu and sprouts in my fridge right now, and my partner works for a co-op. That's true. So it's <laughs> true. Cannot so, pass judgment. The we search- are living in the sixties again. Yeah. <laughs> The search for Holly made very little progress at the time, and believing that the local police were not doing enough, probably because they weren't doing enough, Mm -hmm. uh, Holly's parents hired two former FBI agents as private detectives to work on the case to find Mm -hmm. their missing daughter. The detectives spent 18 months working, but ultimately it was Ira's neighbors 
noticing a terrible smell coming God from his it. apartment. Which is also a disgusting power move to keep the remains close to you. Yeah. Yep. It's so creepy. It's like Ugh. in the, the drunk dive I did about the the Napoleon cosplayer. Mm-hmm. Who like yeah. slept with the remains of his murdered? It's like lover I don't even. I don't even bed. need to clean up after myself. Or, yes. that, or that British guy that killed so many people and it would like give people illegal abortions and then actually just kill them. Yes, yeah. and oh, it's just I. Well, that is always a detail that. Mm-hmm. Why are men? Yes. Mm-hmm. So neighbors noticed this terrible smell coming from his apartment and that led to the discovery of Holly's body. So her remains had been left to decompose inside a steamer trunk underneath newspapers dating from the exact week of her disappearance. Oh, how convenient. Time stamped. Yeah, the the watch she was wearing was cracked and stopped at exactly the (laughs) time of death. And then this trunk had been stashed in the back of a locked closet and it's always a fucking steamer trunk. I know. How many people? They're I mean, so I used dramatic. to have a collection of them, but they're very yeah. dramatic. An examination of the remains showed that the skull, her skull, had been fractured in at least six places. Oh, honey. So Einhorn was arrested, and his lawyer, who was actually future U.S. Senator Arlen Specter, ever heard of him? Because no. Him. Well, <laughs> I have, but he's not. He was like, he flip flopped parties. He, like, wasn't great. He negotiated a bail of $40,000. But he's got the pockets of fucking everybody in Philly. Yeah, he's going to get bailed out immediately. He was released on bond, which was paid by a socialite named Barbara Mm -hmm. Bronfman, who is a member of the wealthy Bronfman family who owns Seagram's Liquor Company. Jenny from the Bronf. And the Bronfmans. Yes. yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. They Wait, are. what were you going to say that I totally, because <laughs> sure I heard, we'll get was to that? It. And then Kenyon, yeah. And yeah, I'm sure we'll get going, to was it. Was it what? I don't get no, it. it's What's okay. happening? You can say if you want. Jesus Christ. Sorry, Ray just Ray. knocked over a bunch of shit. Ray. The Bronfmans have supported a bunch of bullshit Crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. The Se- the Seagram's heirs oh, wait, are weren't like they, weren't they ugh. featured in the like those two sisters in the Nexium fucking like pyramid scheme called yeah. the from uh-huh. the Val? Yeah. yeah. Yes. All right. They're okay. way into like various cults uh-huh. and they have unlimited and- money. Oh uh-huh. yeah. Bottomless yeah. pit. Yep. Okay. It's clicking yep, yep, now. Yep. Okay. So Barbara had met Ira through, quote, a shared interest in the occult. And she didn't believe he was capable of murder. Oh, no. He was set up with a body in the trunk decomposing for months in his mm-hmm. apartment. There's yeah. no way. She wasn't alone. At Einhorn's bail hearing, numerous people, including priests, university professors, company directors, they all testified to his gentle and nonviolent nature. And that is because fucking abusers thrive off of that and they target Mm -hmm. their violence to their victims and they thrive off of the fact that they are perceived as normal Mm -hmm. in broader society. Yeah, that literally they want to use everybody in their network as that exact pawn that will be like, oh, so-and-so is so gentle, they would never do that. Right. That is that that is tactical. Right. Well, they just thrive on flying under the radar, too. Like, part of their 
satisfaction is that nobody sees it coming. Nobody mm-hmm. suspects them. They're mm-hmm. just like, Ooh, yeah, I'm part the nice of, and guy. it's part of their power to be mm-hmm. like, yeah. nobody would believe you. Everybody exactly. loves me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 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 Meanwhile, investigators who were interviewing Einhorn's ex-girlfriends in order to build a case against him were hearing a much different story. Mm. Mm-hmm. Several of these women testified that Einhorn had been controlling and full of rage, that he had beaten them brutally when they tried to leave. Mm. About a month before his trial was set to begin, Einhorn skipped bail and fled to Europe, which, like, if you're not paying your own bail, what's stopping you from skipping bail? Exactly. Exactly. Where he would live as a free man. Mm. For almost two decades. Holy shit. How was many there more no people did he kill? What that is it, time? extradition? Like, why? Well, we, for a time, he lived openly in Dublin because Ireland did not have an extradition treaty with okay. the US. And I think that that might have been related to the troubles, but I don't sure. know. Northern sure. Ireland. Yeah, yeah, maybe. He eventually moved on, and investigators were able to discover his whereabouts for several years. Barbara Bromfman, I always Bromf. like that's a hard name, continued to support Einhorn financially until 1988 when Stephen Levy published his book, The Unicorn's Secret, which oh I imagine God. at least one person has bought without reading the Thinking. back cover. And then, like, <laughs> this isn't a it, children's fantasy <laughs> novel. What was the book about the dolphin fucker? Because <laughs> oh, it, yeah. it was something like, the wet slit. No, That's not what it was. It but it was, was something, it was like the dolphin slit. song. Yeah, you know, it was it something was, like that. Yes. Yes. The wet <laughs> slit and dolphin song are very different titles. The wet but in my slit mind, was chapter thanks. three. <laughs> <laughs> it was act two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I can't with that case. <laughs> but thanks to Kenyon, the wet slit and the dolphin song are interchangeable <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. You'll never right. like a dolphin's the same way again. I never or did in the first do- place. Or dolphin trainers. You made it worse. <laughs> <laughs> or the phrase vaginal slit. <laughs> so. A phrase that wasn't in my <laughs> vernacular until we went to Orlando. <laughs> thanks, Orlando. <laughs> thanks, Kenyon. I, I love, blame Orlando. I love that well, somebody yeah, in let's the blame audience was like, I, I have that book. <laughs> <laughs> she, she was in like the front fucking I row. Like, I feel like she had it on her person in my memory. She but I know that's but not she right. she had purchased or she either had purchased it or <laughs> insisted that she hadn't purchased it. She got it as a gift. It was like either way, she owns something. it. She, that bitch incriminated Holy herself shit. either That way. was such a good live show <laughs> that moment. That was the best. Top 10. That and I have that book. <laughs> <laughs> that and Lions, Lions, and more Lions. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. my God. Stay home. Wear your masks. So get bad. fucking vaccinated I so we can ever touring. leave our yeah. house again. Can everybody just stay the fuck home so I mean, that we can have a summer? The privileged yeah. folks who are able right. to stay the fuck home. Of course. Yes. But yes. And those whose husbands don't own a restaurant. That's true. <laughs> Yes. No. Yes. I'm I'm waiting on my vaccine, personally. Wear a fucking mask. Okay. So, the... Anyway. The unicorn (laughs) secret. The wet slit. God damn. The unicorn's wet slit. 
啦。A biography of Einhorn that persuasively argued that there could be no doubt that he murdered Holly. So this finally changed Barbara Bronfman's mind. Thank God. I keep thinking you're going to say Barbara Bush. Yeah. Bronfman found the book convincing enough, uh, apparently unlike the discovery of fucking Holly's body in his apartment. Rotting in his steamer trunk. Yep. Motherfucker. That she finally cut off support, financial support, and tipped off police that Ira had been living in Stockholm with his new wife, a Swedish heiress named Annika Floden. Okay. Okay. Nothing like a Swedish heiress to throw him off the trail. This guy, he's <laughs> such a fucking. He's a narcissist. Number one. Yes. Well, yeah, he is. Fucking Just insane. master manipulator. He's getting yes. everything he wants from exactly the right people. From women. Yep. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. People yeah. that he can manipulate. Yeah. It's he's very, dirty, John. Yeah. Yes. This yes. so reminds me of Dirty John and. Robert Durst. Durst. Robert Durst. Yeah. This is just like a perfect a young love Robert child. Because yeah. he got real gross. To be honest. By the time investigators arrived to search for him, Ira had already fled. It's unknown whether or not Barbara had second thoughts and tipped him off. I don't know. I'm speculating. In 1993, a trial was held in Philadelphia for Holly's murder, and Einhorn was convicted in absentia and sentenced to life in prison. I don't know why it took so long to have the trial in absentia, mm-hmm. but... Finally, he was convicted. It was not until 1997, however, so 20 years after Holly's murder, that Einhorn was finally tracked down and arrested. He was still, yeah, he was still living with Annika under the name. So he was basically out for what, like 30 years just doing his thing? 20. Okay, so this was still within that two decades. Yeah, 1977 to 1997. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Math is hard. So he was living with Annika, the heiress, under the name Eugene (laughs) Mallon, in a converted windmill in the tiny French village called Champagne Mouton, which means champagne Champagne mountain. No, not mountain. Oh, champagne mouton. Champagne sheep. (laughs) Well, too late. It's champagne mountain now. Sheep champagne. Sheep champagne. I don't like. Let's remember our beauty age. I like beauty age goodness size. (laughs) Good lord. Sheep champagne. Sheep champagne. Not cheap champagne. (laughs) Sheep. Sheep. She needs to be shaved with sheep champagne. With sheep shearers. Show <laughs> Philadelphia detectives <laughs> <laughs> had been attempting Shh, show. <laughs> show anyway. Philadelphia detectives had been attempting to find Einhorn by tracking down Annika when they discovered that a woman named Annika Florin had recently applied for a French driver's license under the name Mrs. Eugene Mallon. Mm, or, or get a lot of these Mallons. Mallon. Maybe maybe he's going with French. French pronunciation, so maillon. I don't know. Papier maillon. <laughs> Champagne mouton. Maillon. May I have maillon? Champagne mouton. When I fake it, I nail it. Yeah. That's I the got secret. that je ne sais quoi. <laughs> That's the secret to foreign pronunciations. Just like. Just, just real guttural about it. Lean the fuck into <laughs> it. 
Just if be, you sound really like good. a car just be really extra it's about perfect. it. It's perfect. Yeah. Be super extra. And it's perfect. You're really good at it, apparently. <laughs> so do it again. <laughs> I want to hear you do it again. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was good. You seen Mechel? That's better than 99% of the people that I have tutored in French. Well, I am French Canadian. <laughs> so. That is nothing to write home about. Don't admit that. My okay. grandmother <laughs> robbed my grand. It's my grandmother's dirty secret. Yeah. I told my mom last her like, unicorn last, secret. It's her uni- It's her wet slit. <laughs> your mom's. I wet told slit. my mom the last time we had a family gathering <laughs> that I wanted to call out Grandma Eileen for saying she's French when I found on fucking ancestry.com that we're goddamn French Canadian on that side, and my mother was like, "Don't say it. Do not bring it up. Don't." <laughs> Don't you, you really her you want a years. relationship with your grandmother? You will not mention that. It's her dirty little secret. Secret. <laughs> I'll wait until she's dying and then whisper it in her inner ear as she takes her last breath. I know about. <laughs> I know we're French Canadian. I know we're French Canadian. I know about poutine. Me. She goes. Ah. <laughs> No! Ah, no! Mon no. dieu! <laughs> Sacre bleu! Sacre bleu! <laughs> so that's happening. Show oh, anyway. the darkness! The darkness! <laughs> Alors, at the time Alors. of his arrest, <laughs> I <Au> know. <laughs> Einhorn claimed to be working on writing a book that would finally clear his name. Wet slip yeah, to okay. the wettest slip. <laughs> Wet slip 2.0. Slits gone wild. <laughs> so hot wet slits. Ew. He would. <laughs> Stop it. I'm gagging. Ew. This, this has gone off the rails. Wait, uh, in my case, there is splits. an actual book that's basically that titled that. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, like, just wait. Uh, Hot wet slits will be back. Stop. <laughs> I need more alcohol for so, that. Okay, I need less. Okay, <laughs> so I. <laughs> She's actually gagging. I almost threw up. <laughs> what? Why does anybody listen to this? We're so unprofessional. They only listen to it in Guantanamo Bay. <laughs> we cleared this up. Okay. And in French Canada. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Einhorn claimed to be working on writing this book. And he was going to lay out the case that actually it was the CIA that killed Holly in order to frame him because he had Wouldn't learned. Wouldn't doubt it, given their track record. Know, but <laughs> she's white, so they definitely didn't kill her. Oh, right. <laughs> only, so was JFK. The only thing I hate more than the CIA is, is fucking Ira. <laughs> so, Ira. Hear that, Ira Glass? <laughs> no. <laughs> Treasure. But do you hear us, Ira Glass? Because I'd be honored. You're my favorite. Yeah, but not. like, do you hear us? No fucking way I'd bet my life on it. Ira, do you hear me? Ira? 
Okay. I've read to you. I'm almost done and I have to pee. So I'm getting through this. Let's go. So he claimed that the CIA was trying to frame him because he knew too much about their research into the paranormal. Oh, yeah. He's so valuable. Paranormal. Oh, my God. (laughs) Although Einhorn would not succeed in clearing his name, arresting him and extraditing him back to the U.S. proved to be complicated, and he continued to live in Champagne-Mouton for sheep champagne. Sheep champagne for years. Actually, no, yeah, sheep champagne. Making regular court appearances to fight the extradition. Finally, after it was established that Einhorn would not face the death penalty and would receive a new trial upon his return, he was extradited to the U.S. in 2001. So, Which I think finally, we've talked about before. That's super common with foreign extradition. A lot of European countries... Because they don't have they, the death penalty. Because they don't have the death penalty will refuse extradition until the death penalty is off the table. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. And maybe there's something about trials in absentia, too, that they don't, that they're not cool with. I don't know. The jury quickly convicted Einhorn of Holly's murder, and he was sentenced to life in prison without parole. Bye-bye. In the words of Philadelphia District Attorney Lynn Abraham at the time, quote, Metaphorically speaking, Ira Einhorn and his Virgo moon are toast. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. Just go right for the jugular. I love that. I want that to be my epitaph. He's permanently in retrograde. Nor a Virgo. (laughs) Nor toast. My husband's a Virgo, so I do a preach, but I love that. I love that. Einhorn served 18 years in prison and then died in April 2020 of heart problems unrelated to COVID-19. He lived that long. Mm-hmm. He was an old motherfucker. Wow. Holly Maddox's sister, Elizabeth Hall, commented on his death, quote, I think a lot of people in Philadelphia were waiting to hear that he had died. He became part of the city's consciousness in an ugly way. And mm-hmm. so we say, Saya fucking Nara to mm-hmm. Ira Einhorn. Bye. 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 Your toast. Wow. Oh, dang. Poor Holly. Case. That was a wild one. It was a nice wild job. One. I feel oddly satisfied mm-hmm. by your super dark and gruesome case. Yeah, it's like it's like getting a hug from an old friend. It had been yeah. a while. <laughs> it was time. It was time. I'm home. Our oh, next episode oh. will be even darker. So. Oh, wow. Oh shit. Okay. Well, right. gonna Should we hear up a quick my word meds? from our sponsors. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so it's time we stopped messing around about funny things and talked about something really serious and important. Yeah. Your underwear. Your panties. (laughs) That's right. We're doing it. (laughs) MeUndies believes undies are something that should be yelled about from the rooftops or shown off in mirror selfies for Instagram. They're not undie shy. So let's talk. I should be arrested for how many times I've shown off my me undies. I was recently in a video for a friend's brewery where I like yes. recreated the the Tom Cruise scene from whatever that risky business. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I wore me undies for that entire thing. You did. You've literally worn me undies in like a music video, essentially. Yeah. 
It's it's everything. MeUndies is not just here to make sure everybody is comfortable, but they're also limiting the amount of laundry that you have. How thoughtful is that? Mm-hmm. So they designed a membership, which I have, and let me tell you, it is amazing. It not only saves you 30% on each order, but it delivers a fun new pair of undies or socks right to your door every month. I recently, and I'm wearing them right now, I have washed them since, but... You get you can get like holiday themed undies, so I have my Valentine's undies on because you know, all my every day is Valentine's Day. It's so cute, so comfortable, and plus with this membership, you're the boss. You can control your shipments, and you can get early access to their most exclusive prints. And they will have prints that are like only for members, which I love. And I have a membership for both me and my partner, so we get matching undies every month. It's like our favorite thing. Mm-hmm. And they come in a huge range of styles. So me undies are offered in a range of sizes as well, including extra small through 4XL. I'm a big fan of like the cheeky like boy short. Mm-hmm. It's so comfy and so cute. And now that everyone is work from home, W-A-F-H, W-T-F, <laughs> they also offer the softest loungewear. So fill your closet with things that you actually want to put on. I don't know what like their fabric is made out of. It's just heavenly. Clouds? Yeah. Yeah. It's otherworldly soft. Like puppy eyelash kisses. <laughs> I don't even know. <laughs> So MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also has their problem-free philosophy. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, they'll refund or exchange it. No caveats, no questions. So, to get your 15% off your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. That's MeUndies.com slash gals. And treat your nethers. Treat your meat. (laughs) Before you leave the house, you gotta do the checklist. Mm -hmm. You know, phone, check. Keys, check. Wallet, check. Mask. Mask, check. Can of sparkling water that takes you three days to drink, check. Chapstick. Oh, check. But it's time to add one more thing to that checklist before you walk out the door. And I'm talking about Birdie. Mm. Birdie is Mm. the newest essential addition to your routine. And I personally no longer leave home without it. Mm -hmm. So Birdie is a personal safety alarm designed to be easy to carry and simple to use. I have several. I have one on my keychain, and then I have one um, in, like, the armrest of my car. Oh, that's smart. Just in case. And they come in, like, fun colors, and they're really lightweight, and they're really simple, and they come with a really secure, um, what's it called? Keychain. Like a carabiner. Car- yes, yes. Yeah, it's actually, but cute. But cute and, like, secure. Mm-hmm. And super easy to use. So when you activate your birdie with a quick pull, the alarm will emit a loud 130 decibel siren and a flashing strobe light that can help deter an attack. I also think about it in terms of like car safety. So like if something were to happen where I was like, you know, off the road, Mm -hmm. I feel like I could pull my birdie alarm and maybe get someone's attention that wouldn't see. Oh, totally. Yeah. Totally. With that bright light, for sure. Yeah. So, unlike pepper spray or other deterrents, birdie is no danger to you, so you can feel confident to use it without worry, which is the thing that always stopped me from 
getting a pepper spray because I just oh, didn't want to pepper I spray myself. I would spray myself in the face. Yeah. It would take <laughs> one slip on the, on the ice. Yeah, things would go from myself. bad to worse. Mm-hmm. Birdie goes wherever you do. The alarm comes in multiple colors. Like we said, I have like a cute like teal turquoise one. I have a black one. I have like a bright coral colored one. So cute. Um, it has a brass keychain. You can attach it to your keys, your bag, whatever. And over 300,000 Birdie alarms have been sold, and they have thousands of five-star reviews. So join the flock today for a safer tomorrow. Yeah, I bought it for all my friends. Yeah. Like, a bunch of my friends now have Birdies. It's the best. So do it right now. She's Birdie is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase when you go to she's birdie.com slash gals. Again, go to she's birdie spelled S H E S B I R D I E.com slash gals G A L S for 15% off your first purchase. Oh, one more time. That's she's birdie.com slash gals. Treat your safety. Treat it. I am so happy that I signed up for Paramount Plus because they have tons of great content, but I have been binging for heaven's sake. Oh. It's so good. It's so right up our alley. Uh I mean, the accents, the woodsy northern cabin vibes, the true crime fans, the amateur detective you know what? Take it away. Tell the tell the people what it is. First off, if you listen to our show, you will love this show. Yeah. Like, that is the wine and crime guarantee. So, like Kenyon kind of mentioned, For Heaven's Sake blends comedy and true crime documentary for a unique take on uncovering the truth. The series will follow the search for Harold Heaven, who mysteriously disappeared from his remote cabin in Ontario, Canada... In the winter of 1934, local police searched the nearby woods extensively, but Harold was never found or heard from ever again. Mm-hmm. And the case was unceremoniously closed as a likely suicide. Mm-hmm. However, 85 years later, his great-great-nephew Mike attempts to solve this coldest of cold cases with the help of his extended family and true crime-obsessed best friend, Jackson. Mm-hmm. They have... No crime-solving experience, (laughs) just like us. But they will search for clues to the family mystery in a small Canadian town. I mean... It's really charming. We couldn't have written this better ourselves. It's like if, like, Fargo and our show and Schitt's Mm -hmm. Creek kind of combined. Yep. Making a perfect baby. And that baby is... For heaven's sake. And you can binge it now exclusively on Paramount Plus. And you can sign up for Paramount Plus and try it for free. Mm-hmm. So try Paramount Plus for free and catch For Heaven's Sake when you sign up at ParamountPlus.com slash gals, G-A-L-S. That's ParamountPlus.com slash gals to try Paramount Plus for free. ParamountPlus.com slash gals. Treat your binge. Treat it. So today, I'm going to be talking about Sharon Kinney. And I had, not, I had not heard of this woman before, but this case is apparently pretty famous. So it just reaffirms that, yes, I live under a rock. And no, I don't pay attention to literally anything. There's a lot of true crime that we are we do not pay. We are by no means experts no. in anything. Like, I know Jean-Benet Ramsey. Yeah, we're not... It, 
It's not that we don't pay attention. It's that we're not such junkies about it that, that we're like the culture for how much I love out. true crime. To be it's honest, it's true. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, like um, I'm sway true... into things that I organically happen upon. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. rocks. It's it's hit or miss. Like Potoski stones. <laughs> Apparently, Stop. it's Potaski. Potaska. Uh, several different pronunciations that we were provided. Stop. So Sharon Kinney was born <laughs> Sharon Hall on November thirtieth, nineteen thirty-nine, in Independence, Missouri. She fell in love at 16 years old. It's Missouri. (laughs) With James Kinney, who she'd met at a church function, and they dated until he left to attend college at Brigham Young. Ever heard of it? Brigham Young. Brigham Young. Yep. Brigham. Brigham over Young. (laughs) His college career was abruptly cut short when he received a letter from Sharon informing him that she was pregnant with his (gasps) child. She'd fallen pregnant. She fell pregnant. Oh, he, no. Those oh, special yeah. underwear don't stop the spermatozoa. They don't. <laughs> so he left school and returned home to marry Sharon she on October 18th. She zips her sheep <laughs> So they got married when she was 17. <laughs> but they listed her age as 18 on the marriage license so they could get married. Okay, that the is two broad. Do. Yeah, I know, but whatever. It was the 60s. <laughs> it was 1956. It was the 1860s. So the two also officially joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, moved to Provo, Utah, and James went back to school at BYU for a few semesters until they decided to once again move back to Independence, Missouri, and get jobs so they could support the family. Utah is so beautiful, and that's all I have to say. I I love Utah. Bill and I just planned and booked a Mm -hmm. COVID-safe road trip in March and we're going to Arches in Utah and I cannot wait. If you can dip down to Monument Valley. We probably can't because we have only a certain amount of days and we're going like 4,000 fucking yeah, miles. Yeah, your trip is very well, ambitious. It's epic. It's quite ambitious. But yeah, for anyone so no. out there listening, if you can get to Monument Valley, it is my Favorite place in the U.S. that I've been to thus far. It's fucking gorgeous. I will not be visiting this trip, but another trip I will. Yeah, another time. (laughs) So in typical misogynist fashion, reports highlight Sharon's lavish spending and enjoyment of the finer things in life. Basically painting James as the diligent, hardworking husband, which he he was by all accounts, and demonizing Sharon. Lavish can you be in Missouri? I exactly like how really there's a lot of rich people who really enjoy like houseboats in Missouri. They didn't have a houseboat. Well, I'm just saying there are rich communities in Missouri, believe it or not. They weren't wealthy and she liked to shop and newspapers are or certainly at the time less so now. But like anything that is going to basically paint women as like frivolous mall rats is all they fucking care about. So that's literally what they were right. doing. They were they were painting her as like a succubus that's just spending away all of his money. Which, in the words of Lucille Bluth, good for her. So Sharon and James had two children together, and shortly after the birth of their second child, Sharon began a relationship with a high school friend named John Boldis. Bolditz. Boldis. Bald dicks. Bold I want cheese it. 
While James wasn't sure that she was cheating, he did suspect and was growing tired of her spending. So he approached her about divorce in March of 1960. Now we're in the 60s. It's now the 60s. It is now the 60s. Okay. Sharon had agreed to a divorce under the terms that she and the kids get to keep the house and that he paid her $1,000 a month in support. Pretty good deal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the church and their parents, who are also part of the church, were urging them not to get divorced because of, you know, Jesus or whatever. Yeah, I'm sure the fucking omnipotent God who formed the earth and the heavens cares so much about divorce. Right. Who like commanded the the murder of one of his followers' children? It's fine, whatever. Lots of babies died under God. Just saying, in the old testament, every day. Eh. So then, in March nineteenth, nineteen sixty, Sharon alleged that she heard a single gunshot from the bedroom where James was taking a rest around five thirty p.m. He worked nights, so he often napped in the evening. Sharon went into the room and claimed to see their two-year-old daughter, Dana, on the bed next to James, holding one of James's guns. What? She theorized that Dana had accidentally shot and killed James, and this theory was actually backed up by friends and family who testified that James often let Dana play with his guns. Again, she's two years old. So I have to assume even if that's true, like, the guns weren't loaded if he was letting her play with them? I don't fucking know. And they did a forensic, like, test with Dana that confirmed that Dana was capable, I just imagine with, like, these little pudgy, like, little two-year-old hands of picking up and holding a twenty-two caliber handgun with both hands and successfully pulling the trigger. I mean... So the death... It's very possible. possible. I guess, but, like... It's not likely. The fuck? So the death was ruled an accidental homicide. Sorry, but the facts at this point... He's dead on the ground, gunshot. In the bed. In the bed, gunshot mm-hmm. to the head. Two-year-old playing in the bed with him. Two-year-old with a loaded fucking gun. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you, th- you got them all. You got all the facts. I the- don't like <laughs> No. No. So the death was ruled an accidental homicide, and Sharon collected his $30,000 life insurance policy, which is valued at about $230,000 today. So a sizable chunk. Not bad. Could have been she, more. Could have been more, that. but again, she they're not super guy. wealthy. They're working class folks. He's working overnights. So I'm sure they weren't like buying into a big old policy. Mm-hmm. She killed him. Framed so her with the money in her pocket and her hubs in the ground, she bought herself a brand new sports car, a Ford Thunderbird to be exact. <laughs> right. So maybe she was <laughs> overspending. <laughs> I know, but I don't want to throw. Maybe I, maybe I was defending that. her. Oh, I was. I was. <laughs> And we'll always defend her I have spending. leapt to so many conclusions at this point. I have point. nothing to say about her spending. I love her lavish spending. Her Nine murdering, on the other hand. a leaping to conclusions. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. I came to a conclusion before we got to the Ford fucking Thunderboard. Which Five I, golden which I Ford assume, Thunderbird. Uh, which I assume was red. Probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> to match her and, manicure. Yeah. And she Jungle began dating red. the salesman who sold it to her, oh. a man named Walter Jones. Months, of like she two, did two, three months this after her textbook. husband this is was almost... tragically shot and murdered by their two-year-old daughter. I'm sorry, this is embarrassed. I'm embarrassed for her. <laughs> it's incredible. 
It's incredible. Ugh. So Walter, however, was also married of course. to a woman named Patricia, and they yep. had two children together themselves. Tracks. Everything tracks. Everything tracks. <laughs> the affair continued for several weeks before Walter decided he wanted to reconcile and rededicate himself to his wife and kids. Also tracks. <laughs> Sharon was not pleased with this. And in a Kelly Kapoor from the office move, she told him she was pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) Also trash. Unlike Ryan Howard, however. Kelly Kapoor from the office is Zach's favorite character of all time across any media. Oh, well, I hope you're committed to this. I'm pregnant and I'm keeping it. (laughs) My New Year's resolution was to get more attention. Because I'm pregnant and I'm, I'm keeping, keeping it. it. <laughs> She's in her pink dress. Oh, Ryan's coming in today? And then her well, like. I have a lot of questions. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> and then her like side interview. She's like, I'm not pregnant. <laughs> she doesn't even say it. She just shakes her head. <laughs> but unlike Ryan Howard, Walter isn't. He's not falling for it. <laughs> okay. So he's like, No. No. No, you're not. No. So he says to her, apparent, this is, he later testified this because this will go to trial, obviously, that he told her that they'd have to, quote, wait and see what happens. Like, I'll wait and see if you're actually pregnant. Smart. And that, quote, it was all over between us. So she allegedly, like, went into a massive rage. And one publication reported that she was, quote, naked and screaming. Sharon followed Walter's car into the street cursing and threatening to get even with him as neighbors watched the carryings on of a woman who had lost her husband less than three months earlier. Oh, the carryings on. The carryings on. Jesus Christ. So with her effort to convince Walter to stay with her a failure, she decided to deal with Patricia, Walter's wife, herself. Uh Uh She called Patricia and lured her into a meeting by saying over the phone that Walter was having an affair with her sister. So Sharon was like, no, Sharon's sister. So Sharon's like, sister. Yeah. Sharon's like, oh, I have this deed. Walter is having an affair with my sister. Yeah. I want to meet up with you and give you the details. And Patricia agreed to this meeting. And on the afternoon of May 26th, 1960, Patricia left her house to meet with Sharon and never returned home. Oh, no. She fucking Uh killed his wife, who's not Mm. at fault of any of this? No. A complete innocent. Sharon is sloppy bananas. (laughs) Oh, no. Like, I hate her and... I'm so entertained by how bogged she is. She's a real housewives of homicide. It's so, it get, this is barely scratching the surface. We have so much more. Oh I mean, so, I've reported, met a lot of Sharons and they're almost all lunatics. Except for <laughs> Scott's little sister. who is Not Scott's little sister, but like a, so, my backyard neighbor's name is Sharon. She's also a lunatic. Just I don't think she can hear you, so like, <laughs> let it out. She's also crazy. Most I doubt Sharon's a She is fucking nuts, y'all. Sharon, you're if either, you're listening, can you you're fucking a doctor, cool it a little bit? Either a doctor or teacher or a fucking lunatic. <laughs> Those are all the Sharons that I've ever met. Doctor, teacher, total loon. <laughs> Total loony. (laughs) 
Oh speaking my god, hashtag personal. not all Sharons, obviously. But speaking I'm gonna for move personal, on now. So Walter reported his <laughs> wife missing, but immediately suspected Sharon, and witnesses had even seen Patricia get into Sharon's iconic Thunderbird. It's not like she's flying under the radar with that fucking car. So Walter Which I'm assuming is red. Or Walter yellow. confronted Sharon, demanding to know if she knew anything about Patricia's whereabouts, with some reports even saying he held either like a pocket knife or like a car key to her so neck. So Walter's for, like, also effect. a dick, but he thinks his wife is dead because she yeah. is. Because she is. But So Sharon simply replied, <laughs> no, and even took part no. in the search effort to find Patricia. That's a red flag. In and around Never Kansas take City. part in a search effort. Oh, you know what else is a red flag? What happens next? A yellow car. A thunderbird <laughs> of any color. A thunderbird of a feather flock together. You know what's a Murdering red flag? Husband. A yellow sports car. So, <laughs> Sharon calls her previous lover, John Cheez-Its, Bolditz, <laughs> to come oh, pick her up and go looking for Patricia. No. Lo and behold... They found her body in a secluded area about an hour outside of Independence. They stumbled right upon her. Oh, I just tripped wow. right over. Just the an, two of them. An hour o- outside. Yeah. Wow. John later testified that Sharon suggested they look in this area and that he was familiar with the area, too, because the two of them had had, like, lover's lane encounters there themselves. So it's, like, secluded. They would go parking there. Yeah. When she was cheating with him. So Sharon him fucking with... knew about it. Mm-hmm. So Patricia's body mm-hmm. was found there. Uh, she had been shot four times with a twenty-two caliber pistol, which is a gun that Sharon would be quite familiar with because that's what James was killed by. And it wasn't the exact same gun that killed her husband because that gun had been permanently like confiscated by police and never returned, even though she had asked for it back. And they were like, no. It's evidence. <laughs> in evidence, you can't murder? have it. No. Well, it was ruled an accidental homicide. Whatever. So, but either way, it was like Still, no, no, no. The cops aren't just going to be like, "Here's your gun." Bye. Yeah, that's not a thing that Here's happens. Here's your gun. Yeah. We shined it up for you. Yeah. Spruce so it up. Sharon, Walter, the car salesman, and now John, the ex high school lover, are. Now, all three main suspects in this case and immediately brought in for questioning. So Walter and John disclosed their intimate relationships with Sharon immediately. They took lie detector tests. They provided alibis for the estimated time of death. And, like, they checked out. So the spotlight was definitely on Sharon, but they were missing a key piece of evidence, the actual murder weapon, like the actual gun. So in a classic, it was the 60s moment, investigators... (laughs) deployed a volunteer group of Boy Scouts to the crime scene to search for casings and the murder weapon. And sell holiday wreaths. Like, what badge is that for? (laughs) What troop of Boy Scouts would be like, we volunteer to search for a body and all evidence well no the body's already gone but they're just searching around the the crime scene for evidence like showcasing no i was strong-armed into being part of the girl scouts for many a moon so what badge is is criminal evidence the only reason i would have done we never got to do this in brownies this is a thousand percent something that my weirdo troop would have done (laughs) 
Well, your I'm, weirdo troop led by your weirdo mother. Led by my mother. <laughs> we're yeah. okay, girls. She Today we're we're going casing hunting. We went to a lesbian goat farm. Oh yeah. <laughs> Gotta have a well well rounded exposure. <laughs> yeah. You had so, a day of role playing at Murphy's Landing. Oh yeah. Yeah. We would have done this a thousand percent. So the Boy Scouts successfully find twenty-two caliber casings consistent with Patricia's wounds, but they still couldn't find a gun. Investigators dragged nearby bodies of water. They searched through nearby buildings, like all over, far and wide, all over the place. They couldn't find it. You know what? I gotta say, just, just, just circling back. I actually love the fact that they employed a b- local Boy Scouts group oh, for this. I love because it too. It's great. It's like. You know, no metal metal detection, like it's looking the least for tracks. problematic part, part of, of this the whole Boy thing. Scouts. Yeah, I mean, it <laughs> was really like all encompassing education. That I love yeah. it. I'm I'm actually I'm actually fully on board with it. A hundred percent in support. There should yes. be a forensics investigation patch for Boy Scouts. I'm badge. hoping that that's Googling the patch. It. Yes, you get on that. Okay, so. A statement from a coworker of Sharon's built enough of a case against Sharon, though like the evidence was still considered circumstantial, to at least make an arrest. So this this coworker claimed that Sharon had instructed him to secretly purchase a 22 caliber pistol for her that would not be registered to her name before I don't remember the timeline. It was like some obviously everything happened really quickly after her husband was quote-unquote, accidentally killed by their two-year-old daughter. She buys the Thunderbird. She's with the car salesman. It's like, what, three months when he's like, we're breaking up, and she's like, I'm pregnant. And he's like, no. And she's like, I'm going to kill your wife. So it was like, (laughs) bang, bang, bang. So at some point in 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 the middle, the gun had been confiscated, and she asks for another, she asks her coworker to get her a gun, and he fucking does it. No. If somebody asks you for a gun... No. Hard no. Also, there is a forensics badge with Boy <gasps> Scouts. Oh, good. Well, there we you go. Now we know. Link. Sent the link. Okay. Thank God. So when Sharon was questioned about this gun, she did confirm its existence, but claimed the gun had been last during a trip to Washington State. Convenient. So Sharon was original or officially arraigned on July 11th, 1960, and was first denied bail, but... Plot twist, she actually was pregnant. What? Oh, yeah. What? Did not see that coming. N- neither did I when I was researching this. Dang. I was like, what? So that detail combined with the evidence being mostly circumstantial allowed her defense team to get her release on bond. So she ba- she bonded out at $24,000, which is like, a lot. It's that's by today's standards like $188,000. I'm not exactly sure how she could afford all of this. I don't know. And this pregnancy also delayed her trial. So she had her third child, Marla Christine, on January 16th, 1961. So, may I interject? Situation. May I interject to read the requirements for the Boy Scouts for a Yes, please. Badge. I will take this moment to drink water and wine. Okay, so to get your forensics badge, you have to complete all the following. Talk with your family or den about forensics and how it is used to help solve crimes. Done. Two, take your fingerprints and learn how to analyze them. I actually have done that because I had to get a background check for my internship. 
I've had to do background checks, and we had a fingerprint expert on our show. I'm on my way to my badge. Here we go. We sure did. Three, complete one of the following. Either learn about chromatography and how it is used in solving crimes, do an investigation using different types of black felt tip markers and share share your results with your den, or do an analysis of four different substances, salt, sugar, baking soda, and cornstarch. What's chrome, chroma, cosmetology? Uh, chromatography? Uh, I don't know. Google it. And complete one of the following. A, visit the sheriff's office or police station in your town. Find out how officers collect evidence. Note that this may be during the same visit as a pause for action. P-A-W-S. I assume that has to do with dogs. Mm -hmm. I have been detained by border police, so I'm going to count that. I've Ditto, but they never took our fingerprints. Or learn about the different jobs available in forensic science. Choose two and find out what is required to work in those jobs and Definitely share is. what you learned with your den. We've shared with so many dens. Or I think C, we have our badge. I mean, like our wine coven is our den. I love mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Or C, learn how animals are used to gather important evidence and talk to your fi- talk about your findings with your den. We've literally done like Almost all of these. We're basically Eagle Scouts. <gasps> Eagle so, Scouts in just the forensics part. So yeah. chromatography is the separation of a mixture by passing it in a solution or suspension as a vapor through a medium in which the components move at different rates. So basically anything with like beakers. So when we made our oh. wine and also me <laughs> setting up my humidifier upstairs, check these boxes. <laughs> or also yes. like... If you have like a I pour if you, water in and it comes out a vapor. If you have yeah. like a if you have like a secret letter, like a hidden message, like yeah. dipping it in like the different like liquids you, like, or whatever. We have our badge and urine and then like cover it in, in lemon juice. Yeah. I'm getting these badges I'm on Etsy. Google purchasing eagle badges. It's not <laughs> an. It, these are Boy Scout badges. My cousin Forensics is an Boy actual Scout eagle Scout, and I feel like we're Eagles. disparaging. It's yeah. fine. I don't I don't care. I also don't care. I'm going to continue on because I have a lot left. Shopping oh for Eagle Scout badges. <laughs> Got it. So given the similarities in Patricia's murder and James Kinney's murder. I can Kate- get us three first $1.99. Done. Add to cards. But is it the forensics badge? Because that's the only one that I want. Mm, I don't point. want just like a general Eagle Scout badge. I want the forensics badge. Okay, so you continue. I'll I'll fill you in later. I definitely I'm still trying. have my. Sh- I definitely still have my sash of Great. Girl Scouts. Love. I can make a sash. So, because of these similarities, James Kinney's case was reopened, and Sharon was charged with both his murder and Patricia's murder, and what? faced two separate trials. Oh shit! So first up was the trial for Patricia's murder. So though the case for motive was pretty fucking strong, the prosecution simply could not prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Sharon ever had the murder weapon, which undermines the means portion of the case against her. Mm. Though the man who purchased the new gun for Sharon provided like spent shell casings for ballistics because he like had the gun in his possession and he was like shooting it on his property or something. And he had shell casings like in a tree, et cetera, that were from that gun that he gave her. A match okay. couldn't be confirmed to the sh- mm. to the casings that were found at the crime scene. So this further called into question if that like if the missing gun was the murder weapon at all. 
After about 90 minutes of deliberation, the all-male jury returned with an acquittal, saying there were, quote, too many loopholes in the case to convict. It was the 60s all-male juries. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, like, even now. All-male and all-white. Yes. And even even now, it's very hard for juries to convict white women of, like, violent crime. Mm -hmm. Like, it's just that it just... It is what it is, but mm-hmm. surprise, what it's. it fucking happens. Mm-hmm. Several months later, in January of 1962, Sharon began her second trial for the murder of her husband, James. This time, a juicy tidbit came out that we didn't know before. Sharon's lover, John Cheez-Its, claimed that around the time James approached Sharon for a divorce, she asked John, who remember she was sleeping with mm-hmm. at the time, if he would kill James for $1,000. The defense worked to undermine this arrangement, quote unquote, by claiming that Sharon was joking when she proposed this. But the prosecution quickly leaned into the life insurance payout, which she could only receive if she were still married to James at the time of his death. And if the death wasn't like a homicide that could be linked to her or a suicide. Mm-hmm. Right. So it despite, wasn't a murder or a suicide. Right. I mean, he can well, be murdered and she can murder, get a payout. Yeah. Murder but if by she her. murdered him. Gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha, gotcha. Her problem so, was offering John money. She should have mm-hmm. just offered him snatch. Snacks and s- snacks. Or like so much money that like it wouldn't be traced to her. Because I feel like $1,000 is kind of a bargain for a mm-hmm. murder. It was the 60s, and you could, like, build a house yeah. for 12000 but, like, still, yeah. a full murder. I feel like that's kind of lowball. Oh, it's definitely a lowball offer, yeah. which is yeah. probably why in court even, like, they could not confirm whether or not she was just fucking around. Yeah. Okay. Because okay. it was, like, that's so measly even by the 60s standards. So maybe that was her tactic, someone. either, like, a super lowball. Right. Okay. Got it. So... Despite the defense referring to the police ruling of accidental homicide and the testimony of friends and family confirming Dana did have access to and experience with guns at two years old, Sharon was found guilty in the murder of her husband, James. She was sentenced to life in prison at the Missouri Reformatory for women. You do not want to be sent to the Missouri Reformatory for women in 1962. Or ever? Mm -mm. Especially in 62. I'm good. thanks. So, story over, right? 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 You've already had a twist. Oh, I have (laughs) several more. From Wikipedia, a subsequent (laughs) defense motion requested that the conviction be vacated because the jury had delivered its verdict based on, quote, surmise and speculation rather than substantial evidence, listing a series of procedural errors that Kinney's counsel alleged had taken place before and during the trial. And these included a juror taking incomplete notes. That would be me as a juror. Mm -hmm. Disputes over Cheez-Its' testimony and an incorrect number of potential jurors being provided for selection. So, like... All kinds of things that Little were not done right. Details. Little piddly crap. piddly things, yeah, yeah. Okay. The motion was denied by Judge Stubbs in April of 1962. <laughs> That's why I named a- my squirrel who lived in my backyard last summer. Judge Stubbs? <laughs> well, his name was Donnie Stubbs. Please but I make him, him a judge, judge Stubbs. Now. Oh, he's dead now. His judgeship oh. is posthumous. He had a really short tail, <laughs> and then I saw him flat on our street. <gasps> At one point. So, there yeah, we got to get a new Donnie, Donnie stoop this week after the, like, cold We had a snap. funeral for a bird. 
Oh, well, also every time I've had a funeral for like an animal that I found, for some reason in my mind, my brain conflates the funeral procession song with like the Star Wars theme song. Instead of like, what's it called? Like, like I feel like I start with the th- with the funeral procession and then it just turns into the Star Wars like da 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 da. Okay, well that's Darth Vader's theme. That is not the Star Wars theme. Okay, I've literally okay. never seen Star Wars, but okay. Well, that is your loss. I'm gonna continue on. I'll take it. So <laughs> Judge Stubbs denied the motion in April of 1962, but appealed to the Missouri Supreme Court which in March 1963 reversed her conviction and ordered a new trial on the basis of her defense having been denied adequate preemptory challenges during jury selection in her trial. Eh? Kinney was denied an opportunity for bail in 1963 because her baby had already been born, but that ruling (laughs) was overturned in July and she was released on $25,000 bond posted by her brother. Sip, snap, sip, snap, sip, snap. Sip, snap. So (laughs) literally it gets... So much worse. Uh, it no. gets more snip snappy. It snips and snaps so many fucking more times. You guys. <laughs> so she was, and I guess her brother paying this bail, maybe there was family money, and that explains there is how. There's a vast deference. Vast deference. Snip, 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 snip. Conviction and acquittal. Okay. Do you know how many? <laughs> Acquittals, the toll. It's a vast deference. That six acquittals can have on a person. (laughs) So she was tried again in March of 1964, which ended in a mistrial due to the notoriety of the case and a failure to properly sequester jurors. Jesus. Then she faced trial again in June of 1964. This time Sharon took the stand for the first time ever. The trial ended in a deadlocked seven to five jury in favor of acquittal. And a mistrial was declared once again. Jeez. No. Off she's like she's like trial. the guilty white Curtis Flowers. I, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Yeah. yeah, though. Trial was scheduled for October 1964, but Sharon was fucking over it as anyone <laughs> would be i, mean, I would just dig right? my way fucking admit to it nope slash she dig my way out Mexico. of prison with a spoon she, <laughs> she was out oh. she was out on bail she oh. was out on bail but oh, okay. we'll get to the time she escaped from prison because that's spoon? coming too yeah so she hightailed it to mexico with a new lover francis samuel pugliz pugliz who went by Sam Pugsley, yeah. who she'd met in Kansas City a few months prior while she was on trial. <laughs> How does like, this over bitch cocktails. meet a man uh, while she's on trial for murder of her husband? I mean, she was out. She's not she in was jail at a during the trial. In no, Cancun. I know, but I just feel like dating. I mean, I don't it's know because enough. I've like basically never dated, but it sounds where hard you, enough. Where did she find the time? It's the sixties. It was slash the early seventies. So she'd met him a few months prior while she was on trial, and the two went to Mexico to get married. Like a Carrie Underwood song. To just get away from it all. They just needed a vacay. So while in Mexico, she and Sam allegedly had a fight and she stormed out of their hotel to get a drink at a nearby bar and cool off. 
While she was at this nearby bar, she met American expat Francisco Ordonez, and the two struck up a conversation. At some point during their encounter, Sharon complained of a stomach ache, and Francisco offered her some water and, and to lie down at his hotel room. Please tell me that he's a secret serial killer. Oh, no. Also, if a strange man at a bar is like, you look tired, come lay down no, in my hotel room. she was like, room. I don't feel well, and he was like, oh, I have a room, like, do you want to oh, go lie down? Okay, and but also like, at a... Yes. Oh, they're at a, just a regular bar. I thought I I pictured a hotel bar, and she's like, "I'm so tired. Can I lay down in your room?" Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is also her version of events. Got it. And uh, people think that this was something different. So there's we'll no get or to doesn't it. matter. Already sounds fishy. Exactly. Whatever. So she agrees to go to his room to have a glass of water and lie down until her stomach feels better, and she starts to feel better and wants to leave, but he makes a pass at her. She pushed him away, and he didn't like that. He proceeded to hit her several times. Again, this is it's entirely possible, but all of this is also according to her testimony, and her track record's not great. She claimed that he kneed her in the stomach and covered her mouth so that she couldn't scream. She says she managed to wiggle out of his grasp and grab her gun from her purse, firing several shots in his direction, killing him and wounding a hotel employee. Sharon was arrested and charged <sighs> with murder in Mexico, and the jury did not buy her story and believed the prosecution's theory that she was actually out to rob someone in Mexico to further secure her escape from another trial in the United States. She was sentenced to 13 years in prison in 1965 in Mexico. In Mexico. So was she trying to evade her murder charges in the U.S. in order to stay in Mexico on lesser charges? Went to Mexico, killed a guy. So she... Seemingly purposely killed somebody, but like in a lesser degree right. than what she had in the U.S. Well, and were things to go according to plan, she'd likely serve her sentence in Mexico and then be extradited back to the U.S. once that sentence was up to face the charges that she skipped out on in the United States. But we never got there. Story over, right? <laughs> right? Well, I don't know. Right? I'm, I'm fucking burned. After four years in a women's prison in Mexico, Sharon fucking escaped in 1969. So it was the whole 60s that she was up up to this shit. She escaped from her prison in Mexico? Yes. (laughs) I was going to say. Through an unguarded window. What? Yes. So authorities, some authorities believed her escape was aided by a former Mexican Secret Service agent who had also been a suspect in like a $15,000, like U.S. dollar robbery just before the escape. So it looked like they were in cahoots. He was going to like rob this bank or whatever and then help her get out. And then maybe they were going to run away together. I'm sure she was plotting, manipulating the whole time. Probably. But others also, other investigators were like, it was just oversight. Like, at the time she escaped, there were four security towers on that day that were just completely unguarded. So it like it isn't out of the realm of possibility that she just saw an opportunity and like got the fuck out. Like both, window. Both no could people. be true. She's plotting. Bye-bye. She's plotting. I think she plotted. Magical opportunity. She takes it. Yeah. I mean. We literally will never know because but also to there's this a day, high probability of corruption. Oh yeah, in that 
you know. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, I think it's usually the truth falls somewhere in the middle. Yeah. What about to this day? To this day, Sharon has not been found and is believed to still be alive somewhere. <laughs> There's an age progression of her on the drive. She'd be in her 70s now and maintains, well, probably older, I guess. Late seventies, early eighties, but still very much like possible that she's alive. She, could she be maintains. Anyone. I just got your Quincy Adams picture. I was like, oh my god, it's spot on. It's oh my me. God. She could literally be anyone. She could be. Yeah, she looks lady, like my grandma. She could be Lady Bleebird's mom. Yes, a hundred percent. So she maintains the winning title of longest currently outstanding arrest warrant for murder in the history of Kansas City, Missouri. And one of the longest outstanding felony warrants in American history, period. Oh, my God. So she could be anyone. She could be listening right now. Women do a better job at getting away with things than men. (gasps) Hi, Sharon. Oh, my God. Hi, Sharon. Hide and seek champion. And You shouldn't have killed anyone. I'll... I'll leave us on this because I promised you wet slits. Oh. Her story inspired one of the worst book titles I have ever fucking seen. Quote, Serial Killing Slut, The True Story of Sharon Kinney, written by Heather Fox, and according to the Amazon reviews that I enjoyed today, it is terrible <laughs> and riddled with spelling errors. Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Why would you God. do that to your fellow woman, even right? one as awful as this? And Sarah, uh, somebody, Sarah, somebody wrote a review that was like, all this woman did, this Heather Fox woman did, is like write down what she watched on the Oxygen special about Sharon Kinney. Yeah. Like all of the investigators' quotes were the same quotes from that episode of like Bad Girls or whatever on Oxygen. Yeah. So this book is the bad. Don't buy it. Oh, God. But that's my case. Well, Serial killing apostrophe. Yeah. You are doing your ancestor John Quincy Adams justice. John Quincy Amanda. John Quincy justice. Amanda Quincy Jacobson. I love it. This was, I mean, a long. It was a roller coaster. It was a long episode. But I had fun. We I did had it. fun. I got drunk. I'm yeah. good. Fucking whatever. Thank you, Mackenzie Moore. We want more, more, more. Yes. Thank you, Mackenzie. Thank you, Mackenzie. It was the 60s. It was the 60s. It was the 60s. Or the 70s for Kenyon's case. Or the 1860s <laughs> or the year 60 BC. Okay. We love you all. <laughs> See, See you next week. week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support and get a shout out on air, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. (laughs) 